the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't know about you, but the uh, weekend went too fast. I could have used a couple of more days. But it is a Monday, so uh, that's what the calendar says, and that's why I'm sitting here in the studio, so that means uh, we'll do the show today then. Rose Mims is here. We're going to start off with her today because the uh, March for Life is coming up on Sunday, and I hadn't looked to see what it's saying here on my weather. Let me check that real quick. I can bring it right on up. There it is. Come on. Load up. And it is. Let's see what it says for Sunday. It says, plenty of sunshine. It will be chilly. It'll be 34. Uh, see if that's what they're saying is a high. Yep, that's the high. It'll feel about 30, so dress up warm. But you're going to have sun on you at least. So that'll make you, you to keep you from freezing. You know, it'll be okay. But they're saying plenty of sunshine. We've seen a little warmer temperatures before, but a whole lot of liquid sunshine coming down. And we've seen frozen sunshine come down as well. So we'll go along that it's going to be a really nice sunny day for the uh, the March for Life coming up on uh, this coming Sunday. So. Rose, bring us up to date what's going to be uh, happening and what we should expect. Well, I want everybody to please dress warmly for for one thing, because even though it will be cold, um, the sun will be shining and people will be marching for life. Mm -hmm. So this year we're going to have two speakers. We'll try to keep the program as brief as possible because of the weather conditions, but our speakers are very important. We have Courtney Beck, who's going to be speaking about her experience as a 16-year-old getting a judicial bypass to obtain an abortion here in Arkansas. And then Krista Brown is coming from up north to speak to us about the abortion pill rescue reversal protocol that is available now for women who undergo a medication abortion who can now um, possibly change their mind, get treatment, and save their, their baby. It's amazing. How long do they have on that? Can you give us a little bit of information before Sunday? Well, sure. Time is of the essence on that. And Arkansas Right to Life has been engaged in an educational campaign on abortion pill reversal for for, uh, going on two years now. Um, The medication abortion is a two-pill process. The woman takes the first pill at the abortion clinic, Mm -hmm. and uh, that process begins to kill the baby by cutting off the nutrients to the unborn child. And then the second pill is given to her to take approximately uh, 48 hours later, and then that pill will start the contractions and the... um, to expel the dead baby. Now, um, between the two pills, she can change her mind. Okay. Get help by calling the abortion pill reversal hotline and um, getting connected to a doctor here in Arkansas that can provide that re- uh, that reversal treatment to her, which is simply prostaglandin, um, I mean progesterone, progesterone, that will help to save the pregnancy. And okay. over 500 babies are alive today because of it, and oh, many good. more expected to be born soon. 
All right, that's that's great. We'll hear more about that come Sunday, and they can they'll explain it. Explain this first person who's going to be speaking, Courtney Beck. You know, it says obtained an abortion by judicial bypass. What does that mean? Well, the judicial bypass, a lot of people aren't um, aware of that or familiar with it. But it is um, in just about every abortion law there is because there cannot be a veto of an abortion. You know, we the woman supposedly has this right to choose abortion. And regardless of what laws we pass to try to limit or regulate abortion, the woman always has that right. So when we pass laws that um, involve parents, like parental notification or par- parental consent laws, the woman still has um, the opportunity through judicial bypass to circumvent those laws and get that abortion. So I don't want to tell Courtney's story by any means, but um, she was faced with a, an, um, a pregnancy at 16 years old here in Arkansas, went to have an abortion, was told that she would have to have to notify at least one of her parents. She mm-hmm. did not want to do that. And they quickly helped her see a judge so that she could get a bypass Go of the law. That. Right. And so she did. And she's going to explain how that impacted her life negatively. I can only (laughs) imagine. So anyway, we need um, to be aware that that circuit judges here in Arkansas have that power. And, you know, it's just up to the individual judge, um, you know, if they allow that young person to get an abortion without her parents' knowledge or consent. Okay, now Andy Mayberry is going to be uh, leading the march. Is he up to it? <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, we're going to play that by ear. Wayne Mays, our former president, is uh, going to be there and able to, to take um, Andy's place of yeah, necessary. To, yes, right. Yeah, so. just for everybody to understand, Andy had, a, had some surgery here just recently, and I don't remember how long it's been now. But hadn't I'm, been a week yet. Yeah, I'm just wondering if he's going to be up to to go in yeah. in March. He sure wants to, and I hope that he'll feel like it. But we have a plan, you know, in place if he's not able to. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of willing people that would lead the march. Yeah, well, Wayne problem. Mays is our uh, PAC director and former president. He's uh, very capable. Okay, so Iverson's going to be there again this year, huh? Yes, uh, Pastor um, Iverson Jackson is on our program, along with Dave Huey from uh, Gower Springs First Baptist Church. His uh, music ministry will also be providing our music at the March for Life. Yeah, so we have them on our program. Also expect, you know, um, our constitutional officers, many of them will be there, the governor, Mrs. Hutchinson. Even, um, I believe, Senator Cotton will be there, and... um, haven't had any confirmations about any of our other uh, congressional delegation, but many, you know, members of the General Assembly will be there and and looking forward to seeing many families and churches from across Arkansas attending. From what I'm understanding, and you can, uh, you know, we carry, we go over and we're very uh, active in what's going on in the uh, the session. Uh, during and 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 they're meeting again this year, ninety second General Assembly, and we'll be there. And so I've been following some stuff on that already. It looks like <coughs> Jerry Cox 
has some uh, some good uh, um, pro-life legislation being planned, uh, um, senators and uh, representatives have already shown they're behind it. Bob Ballinger, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, but today in today's paper was quoted as saying he'd like to make abortion completely illegal. Did you see that? In the I paper? did, and he's you know got his eye on the Supreme Court, and that's always critical, you know, that we have the Supreme Court uh, that could do that, could overturn Roe. Uh, Arkansas Right to Life has also got a couple of bills that we are uh, one has. Uh, is about to be filed it's on the safe haven law we're going to amend the safe haven law to include fire stations Good. that are manned 24 7 as a surrender location and also authorize the installation of safe haven baby boxes if anybody would want to install one at a surrender location um, the other thing that we're going to do is on the abortion pill reversal we're going to make sure that women do get that information especially if they obtain a medication abortion that they will get the toll-free number and the website in their discharge papers so that if they go home after taking that first pill and then decide that they made a mistake they regret it they don't want to go through with the abortion they can get that medical help that they need that will save their child possibly as far as the safe haven uh that how long has that been going on now that that's not been all that long has it maybe 20 years at the most i don't uh maybe close to it the problem with safe haven law and we've tried to remedy that at least senator bledsoe got some funding to create literature pamphlets and also posters and we'll have those available at the march that people can pick up and take back to them we have them in english and spanish but you we pass these laws um safe haven is a good um example without any kind of funding to promote it so it's arkansas right to life has really been focused on promoting the safe haven law making sure women know about it because infanticide is one of our issues and infanticide is simply you know abandoning or killing an infant shortly after they're born because they're unwanted or not the right sex or disabled or whatever but these babies can be taken to a safe haven location and surrendered you know a child up to 30 days old can be taken and no questions asked as long as it started up in the northeast I don't know where the first safe haven law was passed, but every state has them, and they vary, you know, according to how old the baby can be. But, um, you know, Monica Kelsey came to Arkansas a few years ago, and she uh, spoke about the uh, safe haven laws, and she herself was abandoned as an infant. And um, now she's installing these safe haven baby boxes to allow for even more anonymity of the woman who cannot parent her child for whatever reason mm-hmm. and wants to safely surrender the child and so that that child can be adopted. Yeah, that's, uh, you don't want anyone to have an abortion. You want the child to be born, but you can, the child needs to be taken care of too after it's born. It can't just be... You know, we take care of the unborn child and then the born child just, you know, put in a wicker basket and sit in the water, so to speak. So uh, I remember when that came through the first time, it seems to me Philadelphia just sticks in my mind. I may be wrong completely on that, but uh, that that spread all across the United States. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Cause it they is. Can get it, they can get it to a a hospital and go from there yeah hospitals law enforcement agencies and uh, 
soon-to-be fire departments here in Arkansas that are manned 24-7. You know, if you have a volunteer fire department that is has staffed 24-7, then they would be a surrender location also. And that's and it seems that where this started, it started with a fire station because they had so many children brought to them, you know, that had been born and the mothers didn't want them or or couldn't take care of them, what whatever it was, and that's how it how it all got started. I'll have to look it back up. Well, that's again. interesting. It's a uh, great story. Dave also wanted to tell your listeners that we really do need volunteers at the March for Life. Oh, so okay. if you'd be willing to help us out, uh, give us a call and let us know. The office is five zero one six six three four two three seven. And I can give you the details for that. Also wanted to let your listeners know who live in Garland County that we're going to be having a proudly pro-life uh, event there in Garland County on January 24th, Good. the Thursday after the March for Life. And we're going to, uh, the lieutenant governor is going to be our speaker. It's going to be a one-hour event. It's no cost to attend, but you have to reserve a seat. So please call the office again. The number is 501 Four two three seven to save your seat. How good do we do as far as other areas of Arkansas coming here to Central Arkansas to take part in the March for Life? I mean, do folks from a lot of folks from like Fort Smith come over? People from Jonesboro come down? Things of that nature. Yes, we have people from all over the state that come. Um, there are some of our chapters have their own little march for life, uh-huh. but it's typically not on the same day as ours. That way, it allows people that want to come to Lark to come. You know, ours is one of the bigger ones throughout the country, and so um, I've had calls from people in Missouri wanting to know where it, where the march was and when they could come and all of that. So, you know, in Memphis. <clears throat> um, because our our march is so well attended has a lot of people there and it's a great event and i encourage anybody to come we will always have new timer you know first timers mm-hmm. to come into the march for life we're marching from behind we start at um behind the capitol i should say at 2 p.m is when the march starts the starting point is wolf street at west capitol but the staging area where people will gather and uh, before the march is between battery and Wolf Street okay. on West Capitol. Plenty of open parking. They can park behind the Capitol or they can park in front of the Capitol and walk back to start the march. We march down West Capitol, surround the Capitol, break into two groups, come back together at the front of the steps where we'll have our program. And that's where the speakers will be, a little bit of music's going to be, going to have the prayers there, the whole nine yards. Right. And as I said before, we'll try to keep it brief. It's cold. Please dress appropriately. And um, we'll, you know, be out there total probably about two hours, you know, from the time the march gathers and begins till the t- program ends. Okay. We'll come back. We'll talk more. We'll re uh, reiterate a lot of the things that we've just talked about so that you'll be ready for uh, this Sunday for the march for life it's dave ellswick show let's get a break in right here at 101.1 fm the answer so let's do a little history if we could uh rose how long has this been going on why did it start some people try to muddy the waters about it why don't you give us a, a short history lesson 
Okay. Well, uh, this is our 41st March for Life. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So we started in 1978 under the um, uh, support of Bishop Andrew J. McDonald of the Diocese of Little Rock, who gave um, Arkansas Right to Life $200 to start a March for Life and and uh, was very supportive throughout his entire um uh, service as bishop to the diocese and um so we've been marching to remember the uh, the anniversary of the roe v wade decision of january 22nd 1973 and um that's why we march we march in remembrance of the lives that have been lost since then it's been over 60 million counting the abortion rate has dropped, but um, yeah, the, what we're seeing now is pre, you know, row uh, abortion rates in our country, which is good news. However, children are still dying yeah. every day, almost thirty five hundred, and we um, will never forget. And we march as long as we need to march in all kinds of weather. People say, why are you doing it in January? Well, I didn't pick it. You know, January 22nd was the um, day the Supreme Court, you know, gave us Roe v. Wade and Doe versus abortion on demand. And we march for the innocent, defenseless human beings who are slaughtered in the name of choice and for their parents and for us each you know, who have lost a family member uh, or a friend uh, to to legal abortion, and um, we'll never forget them. Don't you get crazy at times? I mean, I know I do. This shout out your abortion thing that that's been going on, and so I. I mean, to me, it's like saying shout out for the family member you killed. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's really sad to me, and it just goes to show how um, they diminish the very existence of this person who is unique yeah. in every way, and that person will never be again. Right. And they don't even want to acknowledge that or recognize that fact. It's a scientific fact that, you know, life begins at conception. Everything that person's going to be is created right then and there. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a loss for all of us. Not only the, their immediate family members who are going to be missing that child, but if you think about it, that child and every person that would have come from them, you know, generations of people are lost with that life of that child. So, you know, it's just a tr- tremendous national tragedy, in my opinion. That we've killed and are destroying our most valuable resource, our people. So, how long has the march? I've been told we got a minute. Can you stick around a little longer? Sure. Okay. Uh, how long have we been marching and then marching around the Capitol and meeting there? Wasn't there a time when we were kind of spread out down the road at times holding signs and things of that nature? Yes. Uh, for many years, we marched down Capitol Avenue, beginning right. at Capitol, Louisiana, and filled the street, you know, and it was an awesome sight. And then um, we made a move to go behind the Capitol for a few reasons. And um, do I have time to go no, into that? No, you don't. We'll come back. <laughs> okay. We'll come back. I'm, I'm looking over at Zach, and 
He's jumping up and down, telling me, wrap it up so that you can get the news. Let's get to the news when we come back. I'm going to keep Rose Mims here. It's important that you know the history of this uh, as well. News is coming up after the news. We'll give you 60 seconds of catching up what's going on around the nation, around the world. And then we'll return to the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Going to bring it back uh, with our guest, Rose Mims, in just a second. Let me remind you uh, that you want to make sure that you do the right thing about uh, your Social Security. Because if you don't, you could be losing uh, thousands of dollars of money over the many years that you're in retirement. I'm, I'm just starting to learn all of this. Uh, because of um, I'm getting ready to get my Social Security. It's it's so it's so crazy to be in, at this age now. You know, when I was a whole lot younger, the, a lot of the songs that I listened to said "Hope I Die Before I Get Old" and things of that nature. It's kind of crazy now. But anyway, uh, as you've heard me talk about, there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits. There's 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook make matters worse. The government tells the Social Security Administration that they're forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. Could be that uh, that's no wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. You can learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date guide to Social Security. Get that from David Lucas host of the David Lucas Show that you hear on The Answer at 101.1 FM every Saturday at 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. And to get your free guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690 so that you're not leaving thousands of dollars on the table. The the number again, 501-653-6690 or visit David Lucas Financial. Uh, dot com. Okay, so Rose, you're giving us a little bit of a of a history lesson here about the uh, March for Life. It is the 41st annual March for Life here in Little Rock coming up uh, this Sunday, January 20th, here in Little Rock, down by the Capitol at two in the afternoon. It's supposed to be a sunny day, no rain, no snow. It's supposed to be sunny still be kind of chilly the way it's supposed to be at this time of the year but you don't have to most people that i talk to as long as it's not raining it's the rain that tends to keep it down but uh you don't have to worry about that this this year and uh, we're going to be remembering the estimated 60 million unborn children who have been killed by uh, legal abortion and uh, as you heard rose say earlier uh, we're down to pre-Roe v. Wade levels, but still, yeah. You know, this is when I can say one is too much. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's, it's too much. I mean, it's just legalized murder as far as I'm concerned. So why did we end up in behind of the Capitol? Why aren't we in the front of the Capitol on the steps? Well, a few years back, um, we were presented with a problem that was um, – overwhelming at first you know we for years had marched down capitol avenue and um worked very well people really liked that but um we were um had an issue with the um security that was provided by the little rock police department um they had 
in their estimation, thought that we needed much more security than we had had for years in the past because of some of the the, the counter-protesters that had been showing up at our event and causing trouble. Um, not bad trouble. Uh, nobody was arrested or anything, but they wanted to increase the security. And it just became burdensome for us as an organization, a nonprofit that struggles um, to to make ends meet anyway, and we want to use all of our resources on saving lives, mm-hmm. that we felt like if there was another option, then paying um, for that security that was required of us to come down Capitol Avenue, that we should explore that. So I began talking to um, people, and it was suggested that we change the route. Well, that was... I did not really want to change the route, but it seemed like that might be a possibility, uh, especially since, you know, Asa Hutchinson had been elected governor. We had, a, you know, all pro-life constitutional officers and extremely uh, friendly uh, capital. And I met with um, the chief of police there at the Capitol, and they were very welcoming to us that we could use capital property to Mm -hmm. march on so we um decided to try that and to see how it would work and it was chaotic for the first few years getting everybody used to coming behind the capitol and getting together and meeting it's much shorter and i really like the um the way that we encircle the capitol you know, we march around the Capitol in two different right. groups and come together at the fir- front of it for the program. So it does shorten the march just a little bit, which is helpful. Um, so anyway, it's worked well. People who never walk down Capitol Avenue think our march is awesome and they love right. it. And they don't know anything different. People who march down Capitol Avenue, you know, they, they want to go back. Well, Capital they Avenue. want the visibility. Right. Well. I mean, there's a lot of visibility to walk right straight up Capitol to the front steps of the Capitol and do your program. And if we could work it out with the police to not have to pay them as much as they were wanting, which we thought was extremely out of unnecessary, um, you know, maybe someday we may be back marching down capitol avenue maybe not the entire length of it like we did from louisiana maybe we need to go sit down with the fop well i've tried doing that before and they don't and it didn't work but you know we were going to get a new chief but it um and i'm not saying anything against the lorac police department they felt like what they were doing was the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and uh but we have had no problems whatsoever you know marching from behind with any counter protesters it's really eliminated that completely we we don't have counter protesters and when we were on capitol avenue we had stuff thrown in the street in front of us coat hangers and other things i mean the march had to stop at one point one year for the police to get out there and pick up the the stuff they were throwing in the street and we have people heckling us, you know, as we go by. Mm-hmm. And we haven't experienced that coming from behind the Capitol. Okay. So we're staying on Capitol property. The Capitol Police provide security for us. And it's just not been a problem at all. Now, the Little Rock Police have told me that they are still there. But 
you know, as undercover just to make sure that everything is peaceful. But um, they're that's them. It's their they're paying for it. I mean, they're not asking us to pay anything for it. So right now we're having to pay zero for uh, security at the March for Life because the Capitol Police are happy to provide it for us. Well, I'm glad to hear that. All right. I would think the city police should be happy to, you know, pay for that. I mean, that's what we pay our taxes for. Well, it's a parade. You know, and, and I understand getting a permit and all of that because I did it for years and paying for escorts and all of that. But then it just got to be very burdensome on our organization. And we felt the money that we were paying for that could be better spent saving yeah, babies. Absolutely. I mean, I don't I'm not I'm not promoting this as we sh- we shouldn't have made the switches. It sounds to me that that's the wisest use of, of the money. Uh, but the reason that it happened should never have happened as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, yeah, that's that's disappointing for me from the for the FOP. Well, you know, it's um, a lot of people want to know why we're not marching down Capitol Avenue. Now call the FOP. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> we, you know, we appreciate she our police. She didn't say that. All we right. appreciate our I police and... Um, really do appreciate the capitol police for all that they do for our event and which they do for any organization that is out there on the capitol grounds they provide security so they do a good job yes they They do do a good job okay so this is going to happen at two o'clock on this sunday i got to get a final break in for this hour and we'll keep rose here we'll come back and then we're going to tell you everything that we told you at the beginning of this hour again so you'll know exactly where to gather. You'll know exactly where it's all going to happen. You'll know who the speakers are going to be. You know who, what, uh, you know, pastors are going to be there, and and everything else. All that's coming your way here as we finish up this first hour. Don't forget about PI Roofing Home Solutions. Excited to announce that it has acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. And if you've been a customer of Tommy's, you can rest assured that the folks at PI Roofing are going to continue providing the highest quality gutter cleaning services at uh, the best value for you. And uh, with that recent purchase by PI Roofing Home Solutions, uh, you who are the customers of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services get to pick up even more because along with bringing the, the high quality gutter cleaning services to you and keeping them up at that high caliber that tommy's gutter cleaning services dead pi roofing is going to do it just as 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 well or even better but they also offer as you know from listening to my show over about 14 years uh, they offer comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise uh, expertise as well and you're going to learn all about that uh, also just remember go to piroofing.com and all that information will be explained to you all right, so let me remind you what all's going to happen on Sunday. And, uh, well, don't let me remind you. Let me turn it over to Rose Mims to remind you. She's got everything right there in front of her. So, Rose, tell them where to meet, what time to meet, 
what all is going to happen and how it's going to happen. Yeah, well, you're invited to attend the 41st Annual March for Life this Sunday, January 20th at 2 p.m. The march will begin at Capitol Avenue and Wolf Street behind the Capitol. Staging is between Battery Street and Wolf Street on West Capitol. There's lots of empty parking lots there. You can park behind the Capitol or park in front of the Capitol. Um, we do need volunteers, so if you're willing to carry a bucket for us and wear a vest uh, indicating that you're an official volunteer, please uh, give us a call at the office. It's 501-663-4237. We'll have lots of special uh, guests there. The governor, Mrs. Hutchinson, plan to be there. I believe Senator Cotton plans to be there. Our now, I think he's coming because he's going to be Monday. He's going to be at the Martin Luther King celebration as well. Okay. And our speakers are going to be um, Krista Brown, who is with Heartbeat International. She is their coordinator for the abortion pill rescue um, reversal protocol program. And also Courtney Beck will be speaking about her abortion at age 16 uh, after getting a judicial bypass. So two great speakers speaking about abortion. That's why we're there, to Mm -hmm. commemorate the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. We're coming on the 46th anniversary of that, um, remembering the 60 million lives that have been lost. Uh, We're going to have Pastor Dave Huey from Gower Springs First Baptist Church and Iverson Jackson from Zoe Bible Church on the program the music is going to be provided this year by um, Gower Springs First Baptist Church Music Ministry. So we'll try to keep the program as brief as possible because of the the cold weather it, that we um, are expecting. But lots of sunshine, and that's good. So just dress warmly and come about quarter till two. Get your place in line uh, for, to march for life and hope to see lots of people there i think we're going to have a big crowd and i hope we see a lot of different churches to be involved in this Uh, the catholic church the archdiocese tends to get very involved in this do they not yes they're very supportive and they will be there and uh, lots of their youth will uh, be there they have a big youth extravaganza on that weekend and uh, so there'll be lots of people in town and and they will end their activities with the march for life yeah I, i wish a lot of the churches would you know, press upon the people who come to their churches that they're going to be going to that and have their buses drive down and deliver their people. And we would we, we pick up many thousands more people for the life. Now, I haven't been there the last couple of years. I've had some things at my own church I've had to take care of. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an important uh, thing to take part. If you've never taken part of it, and you consider yourself pro-life, you need to go. Right. And it's a it's a very powerful event. Yes, it is. Um, the National March for Life in D.C. is going to be on the Friday the 18th. My and buddy's going to speak there. Oh, really? Ben Shapiro, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, um, there'll be many people coming, going from Arkansas to that and getting, getting back in time for our march. So that's, that's great. I'm glad that they're, um, they always have theirs on a weekday and we always have ours on the Sunday closest to the Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. um, anniversary without going past it. Right. So anyway, it should be a great event. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the pro life, uh, people in Arkansas that can come. 
come and and join with us in marching if you've never been i really strongly encourage you to come bring your kids this is a family-friendly event it's very peaceful it's a very prayerful event and um i you know we're going to keep marching till we don't have to march anymore yeah that's the key yeah that's i still think that we're going to be marching for a while longer yet there's there's people in there that 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 are in our country that have just the opposite thought you and I have, Rose. Right. And Zach. Even Zach, Zach's a real pro-life guy, too. But uh, it, it is what it is, and you you got to get out, and you got you got to fight right. for what's right. Well, we encourage anybody and everybody to come. I, I did issue an invitation to our new mayor, Mayor Scott, the mayor of Little Rock, to come and march for life, and I hope he will come. And that would just, be great. Yeah, I, he's he's a great guy, and um, really want to work with him to help educate him about this issue. That's so you know so tragically, you know, a black women have three times the oh number of abortions Lord, yeah. than white women do, and we're losing a lot of people due to that here in Arkansas and elsewhere in our nation. So it's an important issue, and Arkansas Right to Life has a lot of educational outreach programs that we give. We're going to be announcing the winners of our essay contest here in Arkansas on Sunday. Oh, cool. So Yes, and these kids that are winning are winning cash, which is, you know, if you don't uh, enter the contest, you can't win. That's right. The deadline is the 18th, so there's still time to enter the essay contest. They can find out more information on our website. But um, we've gotten quite a few entries in so far and, and hope to announce. We will announce the winners on Sunday. What is the theme for the essay? Just why am I pro-life? Why well, you're pro-life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I bet you get some really interesting and very compelling <laughs> things yeah. written. Absolutely. And these kids, you know, um, really underscores the need for Camp Joshua, you know, our summer program that yep. we have for kids because they lack education. You know, they they don't understand fully um, the issue, and that's what Camp Joshua does is help to kids to understand fully the the uh, the issues that we teach them about abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia. So, but we had some really great essays, and we're looking forward to announcing those winners and giving out those checks. All right. Well, I'm hoping to be there on on Sunday again. Remember, it gets underway at two p.m. Where should everybody meet again? Wolf Street. Between Battery and Wolf, there on Capitol, West Capitol Avenue, behind the state capitol. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll then. have signs. We'll pass them out. And, uh, so you can bring your own, or you can get one of the signs that we'll have there. And But while you're there, we're going to have some people with buckets that will take donations. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, we need volunteers to help pass the buckets around. And so that'll happen once we get to the steps for our program. This yeah. stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. It costs money to make it happen give generously but i would ask you to do no well thank you dame we'll have lots of free materials and bumper stickers and stuff at our tables at the base of the capitol there on longwood lane street so i hope everybody will come well thanks for coming i was going to keep you for a half hour and there was just so much more (laughs) to talk about and we can do the full hour and that's a good thing you know i have utmost respect for you rose you've been hard at this for a long long time well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate your support so much. Do you, do you sometimes actually think that you it, that light at the end of the tunnel isn't a train, but it is the end of the tunnel? Maybe I, I do have hope. Good. I'm very uh, you know positive person and and believe that um, there is hope that you know Roe will fall 
in my lifetime. Um, need to get busy, though, <laughs> get good Supreme Court justices, right, which I think our president is committed to doing. It has a real, ch- ch- uh, real chance, opportunity to do that. See my fingers crossed? I want Amy next time from yes. Notre Dame. That's who I want. Yeah. She she didn't get it this time. They took Kavanaugh because they – I'm just going to tell you, if, if he ever nominates Amy, the war, if you thought Kavanaugh was a war – Wait until they nominate Amy. She's a member of one of the biggest pro-life organizations on campus of Notre Dame. Wow. That will be a war. I'm just telling you, it'll be a war. Yeah. And we'll need to be praying for her hard. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you. Thank, Thank you, Rose. Dave. Appreciate you a lot. All right, let's get a break in, and I'll be back. Robert Steinbach coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the uh, second hour. Robert Steinbach is on his way and will be part of the show now from uh, now until the end of the show. In the last hour today, 5 o'clock hour, Conduit uh, News will be here. We've got uh, several of their stories I'd like to touch base with them on today. Brendan Joe will be here uh, by phone. The legislature is getting underway. Of uh, Today, the House and the Senate were both sworn in. Uh, I believe tomorrow is the, um, I believe the governor was sworn in today as well. And then tomorrow he'll give his uh, inaugural address. I have to look and see. I I got it on my phone. I'll look, give you a, a, a breakdown on it. I will tell you this. If you want to see any of that stuff, uh, you should get there early in the morning. I'd get there no later than 10 o'clock so that you can take part in a lot of that. Uh, I think the lieutenant governor, he's given a little soiree over there uh, in, in the uh, the Capitol, as is Senator Clark. Seems like to me he's doing some stuff. Uh, you might want to just check in with them, and, and they'll be able to help you out with all of that uh, that information. I'm not going to be able to get over there. You know, I get a lot of stuff to get done here, and we're getting ready. I got to talk to uh, Jason at the uh, the uh, Secretary of State's office. Make sure they remember to put the the table and chairs and and the extension cords and all the rest for us up on uh, the uh, third floor where we'll be at. We'll be on the floor where the snack bar is. Okay, that's where we'll be. You got to pay for the stuff. All right, but that's that's the third floor. We'll be on the, I don't know if we're going to be on the House side or the Senate side. I think it's the House side because if we sit on the other side, we're right over there by uh, the ladies that take messages and run them there in, in the uh, the Capitol. So uh, we'll be there, though, and we'll be set up, and we'll be ready to, to do the uh, uh, the show. Uh, I've asked Doyle Webb to stop by and, and visit us. While we're there Thursday, um, hit him up again uh, before I go uh, home today. Because here's the key. You know, you got to do that because he's busier than, you know, a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. So, you you know, he's going to be or a one-armed man in a a paper-hanging, you know, job. Just know that he's going to be busy, busy, busy. You know, try to get him to stop by. Uh, Thursday, of course, Jr. will be by. I'm going to ask to see if maybe the governor will come by and, and speak to us as the session gets underway. 
Uh, I'll be putting in requests to the speaker and uh, to uh, the pro tem, Hendren, Senator Hendren, get him come, may be able to get Senator Dismang on a little bit more here in the future than we had in the in the the last session just because he was uh, the head um you know majority leader at that time and he didn't have time to do squat other than the things that he had to get done to get try to keep everything going uh the right direction and like a lot of there's a lot of moving parts uh during a, a session a lot of moving parts and then i i want to you don't want to try to get Letting or get Will Bond on, both senators now. They're the ones I keep hearing the name for red flag bills, although I have not seen anything filed yet. Uh, I I don't see that he's got, that they've got this, quote, bipartisan support that supposedly uh, is out there. I'm not seeing or hearing of any other people that are doing that. See if we can't get Jerry Cox to come by on thursday as well there's a lot of things it's getting underway so uh you know we'll have a lot to talk about try to get uh uh, thurston up and talk to us secretary of state uh this is his first uh kind of trial by fire now after being elected to the secretary of state's position and uh i'll find out who the whips are and all of that kind of stuff those are people that you 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 want to get on and let them talk. The minority leaders will want to get them on to talk. We'll we'll give you we're going to give you as much coverage as we possibly can. It's only one day this week because Friday everybody will be gone by noon, uh, going home to see everybody, and they'll be back there Monday, and we'll be there Monday afternoon and and ready to go and be there Monday through Thursday. Uh, had some had one other thing I wanted to mention to you. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. Okay, you don't go over there and just set up tables and start broadcasting. I've been doing it now for eighteen years. I've been broadcasting during the session because you need to know what's going on, and the only way is if somebody's there and got their eyes open and talking to people. A lot of things are will be told to us that we can't share on the air but gives us people to try to get on the air to get the information out that you need to know about. Now, some people will not go on the air. They just don't want to get in the middle of a squabble or whatever. They'll just know that that happens. And the other thing I want to ask is, if you're a businessman, uh, you know, the only way that this stuff happens on the air is with advertisers. And we've had some great advertisers over the years who have been with us. I mean, Sonny's Auto is a perfect example. PI Roofing, uh, the folks uh, uh, at uh, Lucas's, you know, David Lucas, uh, you know, he's been with us for a long time. Applied Science has been with us a long time. Arrow has been with us for a long time. Horton's been with us for a long time. And in fact, uh, the longest running person i believe now uh is uh, pi roofing seems like to me pi roofing started the year they started as a business they began advertising with my show and uh, i've got something coming up at the end of february that i'd like some people to get involved with and because uh, we got plane fare that we got to pay we've got room rooms we got to pay for food that we got and we're going to cpac again and I've uh, I've uh, called people, left them messages. I need your help. 
Okay, we need about 4K to make that happen as far as the flights, the food, and uh, and the rooms. I mean, the rooms are like $250 a night. They're not cheap. And we're there for three nights. So you do the math, and you can see that the money adds up pretty doggone quick. If you have a business and you want to get involved with this, we'd love to have you be involved. You get advertising out of it. Uh, we make sure everybody knows, you know, you you had uh, something to make it happen. We have great guests when we're at CPAC in, in Washington, D.C. So just get a hold of me. Just uh, email me at Dave at uh, Salem LR. That's S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. Uh, and uh, send it to me. Say, I, I'd like to talk to you about it, Dave, and I'll be happy to come and visit with you. Uh, you know, I'm going to say you can get involved with this as low as, you know, um, a, a thousand bucks. And, and really, with what you'll get out of it, it's well worth your your effort, and you're going to get something out of it as well. Again, that's Dave at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com. A lot of people say, why would you say that on the air? Why do you say that? Because it's just the nature of the beast. You can't do things unless you have money. And the way we do it is uh, we have advertisers. And so I'm saying you want to be an advertiser for the show, here's your opportunity. Um, I'll tell you a little later on in the show who's going, who's bringing and sponsoring and making possible our coverage over at the uh, uh, the Capitol uh, starting on Thursday. We've got an insurance agency that uh, has stepped up and is paying the money necessary to make this possible because again it's not cheap it happens but it's not cheap uh, dave at salem s-a-l-e-m-l-r dot com 17 after three robert steinbach should be with us in a few moments and we'll start talking to him want you to hear some different people i've got sound for you today we're going to hear from john sununu he has something to say about Ocasio Cortez that you're going to love. Uh, he see he sees her the same way I do. Lindsey Graham, state uh, or our senator, the senator, uh, saying he stands with Trump uh, if he declared a national emergency to build the wall, but he says it's his last option. And we got uh, you know Lindsey Graham also talking about time for Trump to declare a national emergency. He's ready on that. Uh, you know, Tommy uh, Lauren, is that is that how she pronounces her, her yeah, Maybe Lauren. Lauren, okay. Yeah, she's going to talk about how Pelosi can brush off the deaths of Americans by illegals, showing exactly where her priorities are. And uh, this, la- this police officer, the corporal that was killed uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're going to hear from his brother. And he's talking about how he doesn't want to see any other family go through what he has gone through. So we got all that to talk about and more. I want to talk to Robert. He met with ASU. Uh, As you know, there's a piece of legislation uh, that's going to get filed dealing with no more safe places on college campuses. Uh, I've been pushing for that. I got the necessary uh, information and and verbiage and robert took it and wrote it specifically towards arkansas and uh, we'll talk about 
some people that we think will run the legislation. But uh, freedom of, of uh, you know, speech is very, very important to me. It's important to my show, but it's important to you. You should be able uh, to speak freely on a college campus. It's paid for by taxpayers. It's paid by everybody here in uh, in Arkansas. 61 cents of every dollar that goes to the state government goes towards education. Nobody should be told they can't say this or they can't say that uh, because uh, somebody might get offended. Somebody might get their feelings hurt. We got uh, more to talk about that as today goes on. And don't forget, Conduit uh, News is coming up at the uh, end of the show, 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And we'll start with the legislators uh, coming together and getting underway. And at uh, this article, arm in arm with special interests. How much, how much uh, push do uh, you know special interest groups have at the state capitol? We'll talk about that as well in the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you're wondering what's going on in uh, uh, Washington, D.C. right now, not much. Trump's dug in. Congress is dug in. The shutdown continues. Just just know that it's going. Now, latest uh, Rasmussen report says that presidential tracking poll for Monday shows that 43% of likely U.S. voters approve of President Trump's job performance, 55% disapproving. The latest figures include 32% who strongly approve of the job that Trump is doing, 46% who strongly disapprove. The president's overall job approval rating has been falling since his Oval Office address last week, calling for enhanced border security and the building of a wall to help stop illegal immigration. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. The president gave his speech uh, Democrats talked after what has the news media done since that point? They've, uh, they have taken the Democrat side. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're supporting what the Democrats are saying about, uh, you know, the stopping of the government, this, uh, partial shutdown and whatnot. And, they're giving Pelosi and they're giving Schumer a free ride. They're not challenging them, asking them questions about this. I mean, we've heard Pelosi say things like the the wall is immoral. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You know what I think is immoral is in a country that we don't secure our borders and keep illegals from coming in, and we've got states and cities and towns that say they're sanctuary places that people can come and, and hide out, even though they may have been, you know, pushed out of this country. Uh, they've told that they can't come back in. They still come back in, and then they kill somebody because uh, they can get through the porous borders that we have here. Uh, this police uh, corporal that was killed just a couple of weeks ago. His brother was talking about this, 
And uh, let's hear what he had to say. Here is here's cut number five for you. Could uh, because I I watched a family right around Christmas time, and I watched them suffer. And I I'd like to ask if Reggie, maybe you could say a few words about your incredible brother, the job he was doing. He was so beloved by the people in the department and beyond the department. And maybe you could say a few words about your brother, please. So Ronel saying. Uh, uh, we originally originally from Fiji Islands. He always wanted to be in law enforcement. So uh, legally, we migrated to America to uh, fulfill his dream to join the law enforcement. After uh, English is our second language, uh, he worked on that, got his education, applied for law enforcement agency, and he was asked to get his citizenship. He worked towards that, and uh, he became a cop. K-9, Corporal K-9. And uh, the way he was killed, what my family is going through right now, I do not want any other family, law enforcement person to go through that. Whatever it takes to minimize, put a stop to it, my family fully supports it. At 33 years old, Ronil Singh was cremated and I had to pick up his remains. It breaks my heart, and no one should ever, ever go through that. Looking at that five-month-old baby, looking for his dad, no one should ever go through that on Christmas Day. There you go. I mean, that, my friends, is the reality of a porous border. This guy that killed uh, Renault Singh had been tossed out of this country several times and had come back. And uh, now you got a law enforcement officer who is dead because of this guy. And, and a lot of other people who have lost loved ones because uh, the illegals. And I, I just love how some people say, you know, and Cortez brought this up the other day. Well, the, the ratio of violent crime between illegals and uh between uh, people who are uh, Americans, uh, Americans uh, per capita, the illegals kill yeah. far fewer Pew. than right. than than others. Okay, I got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back and talk more about it. All right, back with you. We were uh, talking about uh, Singh, the corporal who was killed, uh, and talking about Cortez, who was making the defense of illegal alien and uh, illegal aliens who kill people, saying fewer illegal aliens uh, kill people than uh, United States citizens kill people. And you were starting to talk about that. I'll I'll turn it back over to you. I I appreciate it, Dave. You know, I'm just so exhausted of responding to nonsense arguments. Now, it's one thing to say, uh, let, let's say that the person uh, was tragically killed by um, by a legal immigrant, mm-hmm. someone permitted to be here. And someone said, well, uh, we, we need to cut off all immigration because some immigrants commit crimes. Well, then I think it's fair to say, look, everything has risks. Uh, and we let in legal immigrants because we believe that overall the country's better uh, with an immigration program uh, policy. And I think that's true. Uh, 
Uh, and so unfortunately, much like citizens, there are some people in the legal, legal immigration population that will commit crimes. And that's a tragedy that could have been avoided if you didn't have any immigration. But you do the balancing and you say on balance, uh, we believe in some form of immigration. And we can debate the numbers, whatever that may be. Yep. But that's not what this is. No. This is people making up their own rules. Their first act is inevitably some violation of the law, be it civil or criminal, uh, where they either criminally cross the border or they overstay a visa, which is a civil violation. And so they're not permitted to be here. And then she says, well, still, there was a greater risk when confronting a, a U.S. citizen than an illegal alien. First of all, that statistic, there's no, there's no hard evidence to support that statistic. Uh, so I know the left likes to repeat it all, all the time. There's actually no hard evidence to support it. But you can try to extrapolate, extrapolate and make the claim. Fine. It's irrelevant. Those people, according to our laws, are not supposed to be here. That's that is right. Illegal aliens. Yes. So guess what? You don't, if they were not here, if the law was obeyed, if the law was enforced, we would have none of the crime. And by the way, you say, well, but you know, two out of every ten, they do a real good thing. They give charity or something or they, you know, they help out at the local mall or the local library. We wouldn't have that as well. And we've made that decision, Dave. As a society, as a population, and most importantly, as a country with borders to say, we don't want any of that. Mm -hmm. Why? Because those are illegals. We will take some risk with legal immigration. We do it all the time. We recognize it. We will not take any risk when it comes to illegal immigration because it's illegal. That's the deal that we set up. We tell everybody, you want to come here, we will take some risk. Get in line. Get in line and get vetted. And then if you still come in and it turns out you're a bad person, well, guess what? We'll we take care up. of you then. Yeah, that's right. We messed up. We should have zero, but of course zero is a goal but never perfectly achievable. But we didn't mess up when you broke the law, snuck across the border, or overstayed your visa. You messed up. And guess what? You're going home. Now, here's the key. Maybe I can get around Cortez because she's a freshman congresswoman and she's just a dummy. You sure she's is. not a freshman in, in college? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's got her degree. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> just in, checking. In all things. Uh, Economics. All, all things leftist. Right? Yeah. She went to a leftist Economics. university, which is a redundant statement. Learned her leftist mantra, uh, which is a redundant statement. So you got to love John Sununu. He, mm -hmm. he started talking about her. And uh, this is cut number two. Here's what John Sununu had to say about Cortez. One of the challenges we have in this world is, is people clinging on to power instead of seeing the power of other people. We have a deficit of leadership and we need new blood so if, if you heard it there that was barack obama from about a hundred yards away from that camera talking about what democrats need in 2020 in the meantime here's what you're getting tulsi gabbard congressman john delaney elizabeth warren uh, senators kamala harris 
Kirsten Gillibrand. Who else is going to get in? Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, John Sununu, former New Hampshire governor, White House chief of staff, and President H. W. Bush. How you doing, sir? Are you running, by the Happy way? Happy New Year, Bill. Because the the, the boat's uh, yeah. pretty big at the I'm moment. I'm switching parties. I'm switching parties to run as a Dem. They would love to have you. <laughs> well, 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 the thing we heard from President Obama was new blood. How do you interpret that comment? Look, if I were Joe Biden, I would tell Obama to button his lip and butt out of the process. Uh, the, the president has no business interjecting into every little thing that's happening nowadays. But if Obama was referring to the quantitatively illiterate millennials who don't know the difference between a million billion or a trillion like Ocasio-Cortez, or perhaps to the anti-Catholic wing of the Democratic Party like Kamala Harris, the Republicans are thrilled to have him stick his nose uh, where it ought not to be. There you go. Yeah. Illiterate yeah. millennials. Yeah. Look, I, think, I think there are probably some millennials out there. I know there are some millennials, maybe perhaps uh, out there who are, are competent, and I um, and I appreciate the things they do. There are some excellent millennial conservatives, no, no less. But she's look, she's a politician. She got elected in an uber leftist environment. She's she's serving her her constituency. Right. Look, she's a, from a small district, small by geography wise, because it's dense. Right. It's it's New York City. So it's densely populated. I mean, it's a small geography compared mm-hmm. to even even Little Rock, um, uh, which is maybe right, I think Little Rock's the densest, densest city in Arkansas. Um, and, and so she serves her little operation. And she's about, amongst other things, right? She would want to redistribute wealth down to her little district uh, because it serves her well. Although I think her district is actually quite well off. Uh, but, you know, there are plenty of people out there uh, in Congress and elsewhere who don't get basic economics. And so they give sort of pie in the sky statements about, hey, we'll just, we'll just take the money. What money? What money? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just. Cortez drives me crazy with her whole Green New Deal. So for her, I can kind of give her a little bit of a pass because she's a freshman. She is a socialist Democrat. Mm-hmm. She says what she is, mm-hmm. okay? So I'll give her give credit, credit for that, that, all right? That's right. That's right. Tommy Laren, I think is yeah. her name, Yeah, talked about the Speaker of the House, though, Pelosi, and how she just brushes off these illegals that have killed all these peop- yeah. uh, people. And this is cut number four. You got to hear Washington, this. Washington, D.C., House Speaker Nancy Pelosi still not calling this a crisis. What I would say to families like that is what I say to the president. These are tragic situations. What the president is proposing will not eliminate those possibilities. Is that the truth? Well, here to react is Fox Nation host Tommy Laren. Hey, Tommy, thanks for being with us. What's your reaction to that? She says it's tragic, but it's not enough to call it a crisis. You know, I would like to hear Nancy say that to Corporal Singh's widow, who will now raise their five-month-old son as a single mother, thanks to an illegal immigrant who had no legal right to be here in the first place. Listen, not all crime is preventable, but crime involving illegals is 100% 
preventable. And it's not just the crime. What about the drugs? What about the stresses that legals cause on our resources, our schools, our infrastructure? We have 10 to 20 million illegals in this country. Does anyone really think that doesn't burden this nation? That's my question for Nancy Pelosi. Tommy, how many Americans do you think, because it does largely, because we're talking about politics, come down to public perception and opinion, how many Americans do you think think it's a crisis? Well, I think any American that has to look at the face of, of Ronald Singh's brother and his family members, and even those that worked with him, I think they can all see that this is truly a crisis. And, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi, they're going to go ahead and say that, oh, if we only lose one or two lives to an illegal immigrant, it's not a crisis. Well, I say even one life lost to an illegal immigrant is one life too many. These people have no legal right to be here. And the fact that, they, that she can just so casually brush it off shows exactly where her priorities are, and they're not with the American people. Right. And they're not with legal immigrants either and you know Dave here's the thing Um, you can't stop all illegal immigration with a wall with the drones with everything but you can reduce it and that you recall the comical uh, when Jim Acosta was down at the border and he's walking across next to the fence the wall whatever you want to call it and proving our point right and he's mocking the president that's by the way the news now right the news is all a bunch of leftists mocking the president hey Mr. President where's the hordes but you're in front of the wall yeah And, and the point about the wall is it is a disincentive let me be clear and I think most people on the right who support the wall have said this it's not a panacea it's not going to stop everybody it's a disincentive. Hey, Dave, if you're walking down the street and there's a wall in front of you that maybe you could climb or you could try to walk to the left or to the right, which way are you going to go? You're going to go to the left or to the right. And then guess what? Then you get funneled into where law enforcement is. So either way. So let's say, oh, but I know law enforcement's there. So then I'm going to try to climb over this wall instead. So you start climbing over the wall and I don't you put up. And the, why? Right. Because you're a law breaker right a hundred percent right and so you you know you get your what's that what's the old the saying from the left the 31 foot ladder for the 30 foot uh wall by the way i've been to home depot they I, there aren't that many 31 foot ladders but in any event <laughs> so so you get your 31 foot ladder and you start climbing up now since it's not only the wall it's the wall it's technology it's law enforcement they observe it it's slower than walking through air and they come and they stop you. Do they stop everyone? No. That's never been the claim. The claim is, quite simply, quite obviously, that this old technology that I put in air quotes uh, works. That's why we have fences and doors and windows and alarms. This old technology works and it acts as a disincentive, a barrier to prevent many people, but not all, from entering. Is that so complicated? doesn't seem so to me, but for some people, it's above their pay grade. I think that's right. And, of course, we all know that the Dems all supported walls or fences or whatever, barriers before. Now, look, if if they think that there is a difference between the big steel fence and, and a cement wall, then and, and they think they've won, put in air quotes again, by forcing the president to move to steel slats instead of wall. Hey, take the win. Yeah. Take the win. Now, for me, I didn't much care what you call it 
And the model that I have always had in mind, and I'm certainly not alone, is a model in Israel. And if you look at the model in Israel, they've got cement wall in some section. They've got kind of steel wall and they've a steel fence or whatever, right? And then they even have more traditional like chain link kind of fencing, but taller and, and like double layered, etc. So barrier. But if the, if the left is objecting to the cement nature of a wall and anything else is not a wall, take the win. Good for you. But they don't want to take the win. She, oh, uh, that uh, the speaker literally said that a wall is an immorality. How can a wall it be is immoral? immoral? That's what she said. How can says. a wall be immoral? She got one around her own property. Right now, it costs five million dollars. Uh, 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 so. A wall can be used for an immoral purpose, like the Berlin Wall, which remember, folks. Now, that I'm going to yeah, tell you, yeah. that keeps getting brought up, yeah. and it's so stupid because right. that was built to keep people, people in, in, not to keep that's people right. out. And that's how you define the difference. People between, right. weren't climbing that wall to get to East Germany to become an East German. Exactly. And, and running to the Stasi and saying, exactly. hey, I— I just crossed the wall. Exactly. Number one, once you cross it, they shot you. That's right. That's right. It was a wall, like a wall that we have around prisons now. Now, by the way, I don't hear the left complaining about the walls that are around American prisons. Do those not work? Are those not effective? Is that eighth century technology? The walls that we literally have around prisons today? So the immorality, if I dare say, if I borrow a term from our good friend Nancy of the East Berlin Wall is that its purpose was to imprison people. Well, you don't imprison people by putting a a border wall preventing people from coming into your country. A prison holds people in, not out. I'm not imprisoned by the wall around whatever local prison that we have in Arkansas. I don't know the names offhand. That's it. Because I drive by it. Because I'm on the wrong side of the wall. But I want the wall there to keep right. the people that are inside That's there right. inside exactly. there. Exactly. And I That's why I like kind of like the Constantine wire on the top right. of it. Right. That's right. These are, listen, all of this, and I put again in for air quotes, the 8th century technology that the leftists are complaining about. You know, as we've talked about, and I've used it a thousand times, like the wheel, like fire, like a like a cup, like a fork. You know, all of this 8th century that's technology. What, that's what Trump said over yeah. the weekend about they kept calling the wall medieval. He right. said the wheel is medieval. Yeah, exactly. We, it's even before medieval. Like, right? We're not talking about it being immoral. That's right. And it's run over probably a lot more people than the wall would ever kill. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's such, such a silly statement. And I just love how all of a sudden every leftist is a border security expert. By the way, let me be clear. I'm not claiming to be a border security expert on the right. Uh, but I think when your argument is that something that has always been used to prevent entrance to a place is somehow no longer effective the onus is on you to demonstrate why that is the case and remember not standing alone but in conjunction with every other part of border security that we're continuing to fund amazing all right break we got more to come let's get our break in and then uh, come back and we'll have news at the top of the hour dave ellswick show robert steinbach don't forget he is a professor of law over at the Bowen School of Law, and his opinions are his and his alone. All right, back with you. 
<laughs> that was really good, Robert. Wow. Robert was into a rant uh, during the break with me. I mean, he was. Really, I don't got enough of them, right there. Yeah, he was really into a rant, and Russ pointed at us, and I looked at him, and I started getting ready to talk, and he just turned it right off. He knew he couldn't continue. It wouldn't have sounded you, right. You've trained me very well, Dave. <laughs> you did good. It's been years that you've had me yeah, on your show You now. did good. You did really good on that. All right, let's play one more piece of audio before uh, we call it an hour here. And this one with uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham says it's time for Trump to de- uh, declare a national emergency. This is cut number three. Rejected an attempt by Senate Republicans at a grand bargain. So South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, one of the driving forces behind it, says the president should declare a national emergency and build his wall. I always said it would be the last resort. We're there. There's no pathway forward that I can see. So the president believes has his power. Seems to me the only way left is for him to exercise that authority. I don't see any action in the Congress. There you go. I'm with Lindsey Graham on this one. I can't You're believe never with Lindsey Graham. I know. I can't I believe like that I have agreed with him so much over the last uh, few months. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, he's exactly right. Nobody is making any headway. We're at a, at loggerheads. We're at a stalemate. So, Mr. President, go ahead. You'd go ahead and call it a national emergency. Get ready to build it. Open the government up again, and let's get it done in the courts. I it's think that's where we should do it. It's certainly an option, and and I'm not saying I wouldn't pursue it. Uh, the one caveat that I will say is I have not studied enough the issue of what qualifies as national emergency. I just don't know the answer to right. that question. Okay. So, but it. it Border security, however, certainly strikes me at the top or near yeah. the top of the list. So, so my my inclination is he is empowered to do this. And as he said, he goes, "Well, I've spoken to my lawyers, the president that is, and mm-hmm. and, and he says, and they've told me I can do this." So, uh, I I take that to be strong evidence that he can. Uh, but but uh, you know, the, you're absolutely right. It's the the Democrats say, "Well, just fund all the government." And then come negotiate with us on the. But wait, wait. I'm not sure I understand this, Dave. Okay, so when we're, and you told us if right, you come in and negotiate, right. it's still an it's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. But here's the thing: where uh, the president is not funding the government, meaning that's pressure, whether or not you like it, and you're not willing to do it. So take off the pressure, and. You would be willing to do it? This is the point. Democrats don't seem to understand the notion of disincentive of a wall, and they don't understand the disincentive of the shutdown of the government. This is basic economics. If you're not going to do it when the government's shut, why would you do it when the government's smooth? And what is it about citizens that cannot understand that uh, the Democrats are playing a huge part in this of keeping the government shut down? Is it just if they have... No, no druthers on this. They can't do anything about it. You know, I've never fully understand, and, and maybe this is one of the many, 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 many reasons uh, I'm not a politician, uh, but I've never fully underst- understood when neither party wants to own a shutdown. Now, maybe the short answer is, well, because it seems that the polling blames you for it, and, and then you don't get uh, reelected. And if that's the case, well, that's a logical reason not to want to own a shutdown. But from my perspective, and I guess it's a philo- philosophical perspective, when Trump said to Nancy and um, uh, Schumer, uh, uh, you call it my shutdown, call it a Trump shutdown, I agreed, 
Because it seems to me that you want to say to the people, this is an important enough issue that I am not going to allow our funding bill not to include it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it makes sense. But again, I'm not a politician. I'll never be a politician. So maybe I don't get the operation of the politics. I also don't understand why people can't figure out that a wall doesn't work. It does work. Right. Right. It works. You got a door. It works. Right. If you keep it shut and you keep it locked. Exactly. For the most part. All right. Let's take a break. We got the four o'clock hour just on the way. We got a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about your meeting with ASU. Let's talk about that. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Freedom of speech exists here. It should exist on the college campuses of Arkansas as well. You're going to love this one. Just came across this story. You're going to love this one, Russ. Listen to this. I couldn't have planned this better myself, to be honest with you. This is good. Right-wing activists stormed the security wall surrounding House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's California mansion. Wait, a wall? Yeah, her her wall around her I mansion. I thought walls were immoral. Yeah, and demanded access into her house Monday. Tear down this <laughs> wall, Nancy. Yeah, the group was led by Laura Loomer. I don't know if you guys have paid any attention. She's the one who chained herself to Twitter's doors and uh, made them come out and cut oh, the, the handcuffs off of her and everything. That was at their New York offices. Loomer was joined by a small – I bet you she's at CPAC this year. Uh, so if she is, we're going to get her on. No doubt about it. Yeah, Loomer was joined by a small group of illegal immigrants from Guatemala. Loomer and her accomplices carried a large banner with the faces of notable Americans who have been killed by illegal immigrant crime over the recent years attached to to uh, its uh, surface. The entire event was live-streamed on Twitter. Uh, it's just great. This is, this is, see, this is the way you get the media to have to pay attention. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Loomer and the illegal migrants chant Nancy, Nancy, as they go to see if Nancy Pelosi locks her front door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's just too good. It's just such hypocrites, right? And you, of course, we're all aware aware of the phrase uh, "limousine liberal," right? And the notion is that these leftists they 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 are chauffeured around. They they live in gated communities, and they say, "No walls, no gates, no Second Amendment, no security." Yeah. Well, during one part of the video, <laughs> Loomer could be seen marching to the door of Pelosi's mansion demanding she be let in to make a sandwich with oh, the I other aliens. I love it. Loomer found the door to be locked and locked? complained that it was locked? Hypocr- it was uh, hypocritical of Pelosi to uh, not have open doors it and borders was immoral, to her Dave. own property. That locked door is immoral. Nancy, unlock this door. So authorities eventually arrived on the scene. Right. And at and the they time, the door, of, right? and at time of the writing, <laughs> we're attempting to escort Loomer Wait, and her cohorts off Wait, the what? premises. They didn't attempt to unlock the door. <laughs> I thought they would unlock good. that door. Oh, this is too good. Nancy, tear down that wall. See, that's just point. That's so good at pointing out the hypocrisy exactly. of what she says all the exactly. time. That's <laughs> exactly. I I give her so much credit. Exactly. If I were living out there and she had called yeah. me and said, "You want to do this, Dave?" Exactly. I would have been so far into it, it would have been crazy. 
You know, I, I will give Nancy a little bit of credit. I remember you recall when that reporter said, "Well, if Trump asked for a dollar for the wall, would you would you would you take it?" And she said, "Sure." <laughs> you know, like yeah. that was a smart answer. Mm. And you know, when the when the Republicans say, or some Republicans to be say, "Well, she she's only limited to a dollar." That's. Basically, she said no. So, but the dollar was a was a joke. Uh, but I did like her response. She's like, "Okay, for a dollar, sure." You know, why not? Why not? You know. So I'll give her a little bit a, a little bit of credit for having a sense of humor. But where I don't give her credit is, as you point out, Dave, and this is serious, the the unbelievably insurmountable hypocrisy. That's the problem. Yeah, you think? Right. You know, it's, <laughs> right, you think? Uh, 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 the, the hypocrisy is almost as high as the wall should be. Yeah. You know, and so... It, look, it's, high, it's higher. Than it's higher. That. It's higher, indeed. Absolutely. But maybe we'll find a 31-foot hypocrisy uh, <laughs> co- covering ladder, right? Yeah. Maybe that's, that, maybe maybe that's so. President Trump. Maybe so. I, I love... I just love a loomer dead. We got. I got to get her on. It's really smart. And remember, I mentioned if you want to be a sponsor of our trip to CPAC, all you have to do is send me an email. I'll get over and meet with you at your business, Dave at SalemLR dot com. Dave at Salem. That's S A L E M L R dot com. And uh, you know, I can get you in probably for a grand. That's not wow. all that expensive. Wow. And uh, get you some real. Um, you know, ads on during the shows from CPAC and all of that. And I'll even promise I'll bring you on the show for a half hour. That's great. You can talk about your business. Where so we can do that. DC. DC. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be, well, really Alexandria. Yeah, yeah. DC, across the, greater, right across yeah. the Potom- uh, Potomac the River. The greater DC area. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wouldn't go down and drink the water. I might, I might turn into a rhino. There you go. I'm just saying. There you go. It does things to you. All right, so let's go back and yeah. talk about freedom of speech. Of course, yeah. my guest, none other than uh, the main man himself, mm-hmm, and that is uh, Robert Steinbach. He is a legal professor at Bowen School of Law at uh, UA of Little Rock. I think that's what they call it now, mm-hmm. UA of Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily rese- uh, you know, represent the university or it's school of law. And with that said, let's get back and talk to him some more. Uh, part of the reason that I've become so uh, <clears throat> pushy about the the First Amendment and freedom of speech is because I think the millennials, their heads are just completely full of mush. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in college, we were fighting for the ability to have freedom of speech and student left. newspapers yeah. and, and all the, the – well, I was still a conservative, but conservatism, real conservatism, believes in freedom of well, speech it, as well. It, it always had. It yeah. always has. That's it, true. You know, That's so true. I supported freedom of speech. Right. I thought – But it, the le- just to, to give credit where credit is due, the They're left the ones who took up the cause. They took up the cause back yeah. in the 60s and 70s, yes, they but did. not now. Not now, no, no. They're worse than – the the right ever was that at much that worse. one time because because the left have have quite literally taken on and I apologize for interrupting but I, they have quite literally taken on the tactics of the ultra left meaning communists right yeah. and so con- the, the the defining characteristic of communism is controlling thought and controlling speech and the only time we've ever seen anything even close to that on the right 
allegedly, I'm not sure these these labels work so well at the extremes, but it is it, are, are the Nazis, right? Uh, and, but the left historically have mastered the notion of controlling thought and controlling speech to impose government control. And that's why it's not such a difficult step right now for them, because they're moving to to the left, and eventually that's where you wind up. Well, I've always said the extremes of both, left yeah. and right, leads to totalitarianism. Yeah, that's exactly that's, right. That's exactly what happens. But uh, this whole thing about freedom of speech is something that I will not stand down. Right. I, I will Amen. fight this until my, my dying day. You should be able to write about what you want to write. You should be able to speak about whatever you want to speak. Now, that doesn't mean... You get to go into theater and yell fire. That's yeah, not look, what I'm saying. And that's what I love about now the leftists with these. We have such narrow exceptions. They're tiny little narrow exceptions. And you can't actively engage in speech that will imminently and obviously cause violent behavior. Basically, you can't go up to a mob with, uh, with a, a fire stick, a torch in your hand, and a pitchfork in the other hand and say, let's go burn down the building next yeah. door. Right? That's the level of urgency and imminency that is required. In reality, by the way, even though the analogy still works, you can actually yell fire in a movie theater because that doesn't even rise to that level. That's the irony of it all. But even that example is nothing of, compared to what the left talks about today. And they, you know, they're so worried about the delicate daisies and the beautiful butterflies that any words that some person thinks subjectively, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel good. Well, that, you know what? That's not speech anymore. We can't say it anymore. Can't say it anymore. Can't write that anymore what what you know back when i was in college and in journalism if i had several articles i wrote for the editorial page what a big surprise mm-hmm. and uh i'm trying to think more um done uh, i can't remember the guy's last name who was the chancellor of the university uh spiked a couple of my articles mm-hmm. and he spiked them because it challenged his uh, thought and his mm-hmm. his policies, mm-hmm. and so I got called to his office a couple of times, and I was threatened. Yeah, you know, basically yeah. threatened. Yeah, I mean, just getting called there right. at the age of uh, nineteen years old was That's pretty it. threatening, threatening anyway. Enough, right? But to have them look at you and say we can make it difficult for you here on the campus uh, is is kind of threatening you in in a way that you wonder what all is going to happen to you right and so anyway uh i thought and i ended up going and and stopped writing for the school newspaper the eagle and started writing for a student publication and they wouldn't let us put it out on campus mm-hmm. if you were called caught on campus with the paper in your hand and handing it to somebody, uh, you would be expelled from school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's as far as I was concerned, was way too 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 far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shouldn't have that ever happen to you. And uh, and that's a governmental entity exactly. censoring things. Exactly. And so I I fought like the Dickens so that people could write what they wanted to write and say what they wanted to say uh, on campus. Good for you. 
and and we won in the end. Right. It, it, you know, it, it took four years, but we won in the end. Just when I left, mm-hmm. they won. All right, so I'm happy about that. Now they're going just the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And so you got like ASU and and look, U of A's got it. I'm I'm going to assume that they've got the same thing over here at U of A at Little Rock on campus. They have what they call free speech zones. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't you know. know. I they think don't that, have it at the law school. You know, uh, right. and I so think I that, know. you know, so that you can be protected from some person's thoughts. And this is crazy. This is crazy stuff. And I'm wondering, nobody, I've never, I haven't done any questioning about are there any student underground newspapers or anything like that? Probably not. You don't need a newspaper now. Right. You've got Twitter. Right. Uh, you've got uh, you know, texting this, and you know, all the rest. You do raise an interesting point. I, I did hear stories uh, at um, what, local and, and across the country, uh, universities, where administrators are monitoring the social media. I don't know if it's the Twitter or the Facebook or what uh, of, of students and then calling them in. Yeah. See, that's no, no, Th- that's no. a no go. baby. No. That is a no. Shouldn't be able to do that. I mean, maybe they don't agree with the, what the person is saying, but they, they probably have their, don't agree. You know, That's why they call them in. They have the right though, to say what they say on their private, personal uh, social media. I mean, that's been a fight even on the high school level. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, well, we get to control where edu- No, no. And by the way, the universities often misunderstand the law, too, because there's certain case law. It's old. Some of it's not very good. Uh, some of it's likely to be overturned. But in any event, all relating to high school and below. And these academics at the university level say, well, you see, they were allowed to do that there. Excuse me. High schools and below different. are very different, according to the law, and yes. correctly so. Meaning, they're there, they act in loco parentis, right? Meaning, remember, the kids are under 18. Mm-hmm. They're there as kids. That's so right. the, the principal, the teachers are acting as parents. You ain't the parents in college and, and grad school. Sorry, folks. You're, you're still, I, I realize, unfortunately, trying to left leftwardly indoctrinate them, but you ain't the parents. So you don't get to exercise that kind of control. I can't tell you how many times I've heard educators across this country make statements that make me bristle when it comes to their desires to... To discipline college level students and above for social media statements, it's just bonkers as far as I'm concerned. Well, there's and I get asked this question. Well, Dave, what if it was a neo-Nazi group that wanted to come on campus? Yes. Yeah, I get it. I get so, it. So remember, Dave. That's that's the point about free speech. Free speech, free speech right. protects the worst speech that you could ever think of. That's right. Remember, because everybody about, has the right to free speech. We talked about how a religious Jewish lawyer defended the neo Nazis marching in Skokie, Illinois. And by the way, the left all supported it. That was done by the ACLU, a leftist organization, and they all supported it back then. Yep. And all of a sudden, the left has fallen off the First Amendment bandwagon. Well, the ACLU in New York was one of the biggest defenders of Ginsburg. Yeah. yeah. And what, you know, Screw Magazine right, and all right, of the rest right, of the stuff that right. he did. The bottom line is just because somebody writes something, something because somebody's saying something doesn't mean that you got to buy into it 
Or doesn't read mean it. That, doesn't you mean you got to go out. It, yeah, right? don't read it or don't show up for this the, for the, the speech. rally. Right? Exactly. You know, you can stay away from it. And exactly. uh, so anyway, I mean, we're hearing we're hearing the the right or the left again. For instance, Steve King from Iowa, uh, who's a, a congressman, calling him a white supremacist, and now they're saying that certain people shouldn't uh, get behind him and stuff about things that he says. What is that all about again? Yeah, I mean, now, is this crazy stuff? I didn't follow it closely, but but I heard he he was defending the notion of white supremacy, but then he backed away. So I don't know where he stands on that. But certainly, the former is not a morally defensible position. Yeah, but know? if he but is, he's allowed to say it. He's allowed to say absolutely. it. absolutely. I mean, Bird, he said it. He well, was a senator. Well, well Senator Bird was was he part was of the KKK. Part of the KKK. Right. That's right. right. Okay. Let's take a break, and, and I just want to talk a little bit more about this because we're going to. This is going to be a battle we're going to fight during the ninety second uh, general assembly yeah, we'll, getting ready to start. Absolutely. We'll talk more about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're just about done with this half hour. We're going to t- take a break for some news coming up in a moment. I want to remind you though about Sunny's Auto Salvage because they're your number one choice for recycled auto parts. You know, cars die for one of two reasons one you drive them to death which i try to do but then i can have like a heart transplant which is putting a new motor in it and he fails miserably did yeah well i try but you know you got you got the man out there you got rd out there that can bring your car back to life basically and he's done that uh, twice with my uh, acadia i put a brand new trend uh a, a new transmission a well-used transmission did a good job and then, of course, put a motor in it. No, I don't know if he had to use paddles, Russ. I don't know Clear! Yeah, I don't know if he did that or not. Bottom line is uh, the car is running fantastic. It's running better now, getting better gas mileage than it ever has, getting 25 miles to a gallon. Usually, 1920 is all I got, so I'll take an extra five miles a gallon. That's an extra two trips to to, to work. Uh, you get one, two, and three-year warranties on all the parts, they got the mechanics for you to get do all the work for you as well. And uh, Sunny's Auto Salvage, to me, is the answer to keep the car and not taking on another car payment. Here's all you got to do. Call them, 982-7451, 982-7451. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto uh, parts. Okay, we got coming up news and after the news we're going to come back and i want to zero in again a little bit more on this whole freedom of speech yeah i think that it's wrong for a university to be able to tell a conservative group they cannot be on on campus yeah, by the way and to tell and it to a, a liberal they a, just wouldn't do it yeah and on a, on a leftist the same thing right Either group can be on campus as far as I'm uh, concerned. All right, so let's take our break. Let's get our one-minute news update, and then uh, we'll talk more with Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's come back, talk some more here. By the way, Turning Point, full disclosure, I'm a huge supporter of theirs. Uh, Have been, and Russ will uh, verify this. We uh, we try to get them on every time we're mm-hmm. at CPAC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they have a huge area downstairs. Dude, you can't help but get them on. They staff CPAC. Yeah, they're there, and uh, so we have them on. We we had the the head honcho on what the first year, right? Charlie Kirk. Yeah, Charlie Kirk. He came on with. Us. If you walk in my studio, in fact, if you're watching 
right now. No, they're not. I've got to get the video back up. <laughs> okay, it went down. But when, when we get the video back up, the bottom line is uh, those signs that you see on my wall that say, I love capitalism, uh, socialism, you know, safe spaces are for snowflakes and, and stuff like that. That's all from them. Uh, they gave me a ton of stuff over the last couple of years to put up in the studio because I told them what I was working on and they wanted to be part of it. Wednesday, Zach and I are going to get in here and flip everything so that we can uh, put signs up on the the wall to my left here. And uh, because Joe's Garage and Duck's Garage both have uh, put money up to to make the, uh, the camera uh able to be used here and to do the broadcasting and streaming and all the rest that we're doing of the show hope that uh, you will watch i know earlier today we had several uh hundred people watching and uh, i got a, a a hello from a lot of different people from over at the uh, the capitol today because they were picking us up on their phone uh, after they were getting sworn in and stuff so uh, the person that we were talking about, Brant, Brant Smith is the other one. Uh, he's a state uh, uh, representative, or is he a senator? I can't remember if he's senator or representative. He's one or the other. Uh, of yeah, course, really? the, of course mm-hmm. he is. He's yes. one or the other. Uh, he may be the senator. So we, we want to get him on uh, with us as well and see if he'll, he'll take up the fight. Uh, with some of the other people uh, for uh, this whole thing about uh, freedom of speech. When ASU told the folks from Turning Point that they were not allowed on the campus, couldn't be on, couldn't set up a table, and they had leftist groups of tables all over the place, uh, I I said, somebody's got to call them out on this. And so we called them out. Uh, We got the same thing going up on, um, you know, up at the U of A, they have this stuff go on all the time. It's got to stop. This, you're supposed to go to college and debate ideas. That's part of what college is all about. You know, you're you're a teacher. That's what they tell me. But uh, you're I, not an indoctrinator. Right. You're a teacher. Well, that's you know. Unfortunately, uh, I, I fear that there the philosophy that I employ, and I know many other professors who do as well. Is not is not even the majority philosophy anymore. I think the majority philosophy amongst educators is we're going to teach you what to think, not how to think, not the process of thinking, but we're going to teach you this is what you should believe. And I've heard this on television and in conferences and elsewhere. I've heard these leftist professors say, well, those views are dumb views so we wouldn't discuss those views <laughs> right because that Scary makes them go people. away right that makes them go away Scary this is people. this is the problem that debate is is shut down before it even starts now here's here's the, the scary part at one time the right was doing that. that's right that's, that's right. why it has to be freedom of speech for everyone that's right because whichever side takes it it's not good that's right that's right and and the left 
has so swallowed up academia today that the ability of the right to speak uh, in the academic set- setting is virtually non-existent across this country. I really believe that. Uh, and it's and it's unfortunate. It's more than unfortunate. It's tragic because you send your kids to school and you pay that high tuition, even at a state school, mind you. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's real money. And you pay that high tuition and you pay for them to learn, meaning to learn how to think and to learn facts and science and social science, but not to learn, you must think this way. You must have this outlook on life. You must have this political or social uh, philosophy. No. And unfortunately, more and more of that is the case. Look, I've heard of professors telling students, well, the Constitution is a living document. Now, that is a view. So I know a good colleague of mine, he says, one theory of the Constitution embodied by the left is that it is a, quote, living, end quote, document. Okay, that's discussing the theory. But I've heard of professors simply stating it as fact. And the thing is, I've never seen one in a hospital bed. Now, let me give you an example of this. It, it happens in moviedom as well. Mm-hmm. Look, it's happened from the right. I mean, uh, the uh, Maplethorpe is a perfect example mm-hmm. where I think That's the right, right got it wrong. They wanted That's to shut it down because they thought it was blasphemous. It That's was. Right. You, you didn't have to right. think about That's it. Right. It was. Just, just don't go see it. That's, That's a factual all you statement. Do. Right. Just don't go see it. Uh, Loeb, who is the... Uh, the director of the new movie, Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. shot it under an assumed title last year because he had trouble lining up shooting locations, wow. extras, and other local workers when he was upfront about the title and pro-life bent of the movie. He lost a director <laughs> and other key staffers once they realized the movie did not favor the pro-choice side of the argument. He just recently reached out to potential distributors, but expects a theatrical release for the film uh, this year. So it just goes to show that if you are are on the right, the left is going to, and, and this is not censorship. This is business right, going right, on now. Right. The bottom line is that you just got all these people that are are out there well, that just want to shut everybody yeah. down. It's not it's not censorship. It's not government. Censorship. It's intolerance. Yeah, and that's the irony, right? The left is the one that always says, "Well, we don't have enough tolerance, and the conservatives aren't tolerant." But where? But the left is intolerant. The left is absolutely intolerant of conservative viewpoints. And I'm not saying, uh, to be clear, not that they're intolerant of of intolerance. They're intolerant of any or virtually any conservative viewpoint. The left is not, for example, as you point out, tolerant of the pro-life movement. It's that simple. They're just not. Mm. So it's it's a double standard. We've known this. We've talked about it on your show, I think, since I've come on your show. How and, yeah, been, right? it's you been know? years now. Right. And the bottom line is it's the ASU, the Arkansas State University actions against uh, uh, Turning Point. Yeah, Turning Point. Mm. Uh, was the last straw for me. Well, and I told you, I think, last week when I was on the show towards the end of the week that I had a very nice meeting with the ASU folks uh, about 
uh, possible legislation to to help the situation, um, and uh, it was a positive meeting. Now I'm not sure we're going to uh, come to a meeting, an agreement in our minds. Um, and of course, I'm not a legislator, but I'm trying to give my opinion on what is good, sound, pro free speech legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we had a very pleasant meeting, and uh, so uh, I'm I'm pleased by that. But, uh, you know, we need to pass some version of the Dave Ellswick free speech bill. It's that simple. And, and, and I always get it wrong. What, was it Minnesota or Wisconsin? You got it from Wisconsin. It, right? No, Minnesota. I, I always get it wrong. Minneapolis, Minnesota. I always get it wrong. You got a draft bill. and then, From a, a lady who is right. a Republican. Right. And I read her story about she was tired of what was happening on the University of Minnesota. Right. right. Uh, if you were a golden gopher, right. you didn't get to say what you wanted to say on those campuses. And so she wrote up legislation that made, uh, you know, speech-free zones and all of that stuff right. illegal. illegal. Right. And I got a hold of her. In fact, people, if you remember, this was several months back. I had her on my show and uh, congratulated her on what that she was doing. Right. And... Uh, I asked her if she would send me a copy of the bill. She forwarded that to one of her staff members, which who forwarded it to me, mm-hmm. and I uh, I read it and I gave it right to Robert and I said, "Would you rewrite this so it fits us here in uh, Arkansas?" Which he has done. Yeah, well, actually, and to give credit where credit is due, I worked uh, um, with uh, local. Uh, First Amendment lawyer, amongst other things, FOIA lawyer, lawyer. It has a lot of vowels in that. Uh, um, Chris Corbett, uh, and we we got to get Chris on. Yeah, yeah. He was in when when you were out. He came in uh, for a little bit, but he'll he'll come on again. And uh, Chris and I um, worked on that and really just polished it up a bit. Uh, and it was really well written. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, mostly, I think, frankly, from the original draft. But in any event, uh, you know, there's no pride of author. Here, this is not about uh, who writes what bill and which bill passes. This is about ensuring that the First Amendment is guaranteed across Arkansas, and most importantly, perhaps on college campuses, where if anywhere should be an environment of free speech, uh, that's the place that it should take place. Well, that's place twice, but yeah. in any event, <laughs> right? Well, here's the the the, the thing. I, I got involved in it. At 18 years old. That's right. I'm going to be 66. Good for you. In February. All right. So we're talking, it's almost been 50 years, all right? 50 years since I got involved. A half a century. Unbelievable. And I'm back fighting the same battle again, but just from a different kind of uh, direction. That's it. That's it. It You make me feel old, Robert? I am old. That's the problem. <laughs> no, you want me to make him feel old. Oh, make Dave feel old? No. Go ahead. He's been fighting that as long as I've been alive. There you, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and you can thank me someday. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to thank Dave Ellswick right now on the radio, and I'm not joking. You know, we joke a lot on the show. But I want to thank Dave Ellswick. Look, we were talking off uh, off the air uh, how overwhelmingly Republican the legislature uh, has become. And there's a whole sea change uh, in Arkansas. Uh, but if you don't think that Dave Ellswick was a part of that, was a part of that movement, helped direct that movement, well, then you haven't lived in Arkansas more than a minute, okay? Because that's clear. And Dave Ellswick's commitment to the First Amendment, 
to the Second Amendment. And by the way, to the, we Constitution. Use, to the Constitution. And I use that term. Sometimes I get these lefties who, who criticize me. Uh, I use that term. First Amendment is the federal Constitution. The state uh, freedom of speech provision is not in the, quote, First Amendment. But we call it First Amendment. Mm-hmm. In fact, by the way, the state freedom of speech uh, uh, provision is stronger than the federal. That's even better. Even stronger. That's better. And, and, and we've and we've got a, a, a wonderful uh, right uh, comparable to the Second Amendment in the state constitution as well. So these, the First and Second Amendment uh, rights found both in the federal and state constitution are our inalienable rights. And Dave has been at the vanguard of fighting for these. And now we look around and we see a conservative legislature and a conservative uh, governorship and a conservator, conservative attorney general. And we take it for granted. Folks, don't take it for granted. Dave Ellswick helped bring this about, and you all contributed as well. Yep. And you better continue showing up at the polls, or it's going to change. Not only show up at the polls, but show up at the Capitol. Show up at the Capitol. Because I'm going to tell you what, there's some that are sitting and saying they're on the right, and I don't buy it for That's a right. moment. Oh, we're starting session this week, and come down. This Hell is yeah. a, this come, is a come and democracy. Watch, come and watch the, the sausage get made. Come and speak. <laughs> Guess what? You can sign up and say something. Yep. Come and speak. Absolutely. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A conduit is going to be with us. Conduit news that happens after the uh, top of the hour. We're going to talk about uh, Gilbert Baker and a whole lot of stuff today in the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. We have uh, just about seven minutes and 30 seconds left here on uh, this hour. Next hour, conduit news coming up. Let me just run over some things that we're going to talk about. Uh, the legislature, of course, is getting underway. Where and how will special interests play in the session? Because let me tell you what, if you don't think lobbyists play a part, you are delusional. Uh, former Senator Gilbert Baker indicted on bribery charges. No indictment for Michael Morton. I just, in my own gut, think that that may change. I'm wondering if... Um, what was the judge's name that uh, went to prison in Kentucky uh, that was over there in the Conway area? Can't think of his name right now. Uh, I got to believe uh, he might be talking to the um, the feds and if that Maggio. And if that's the case, uh, Morton has to be thinking that his name is going to come up. Uh, repeal of political contribution tax credit favors big special interests. <coughs> and then late, last but not least, the governor to reform tax reform after 200,000 filers to see tax increase with current plan. That came up. I saw that story over the weekend, and uh, the governor immediately told him to change that legislation so that that would not happen. And and that's to be, you know, I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as a good thing. Uh, and they, they, found, they found it before it was too late because it hasn't been made into law yet. See, that's, that's good. That's, that's what they're going to start meeting to do now is to meet together to put to get stuff together for law. So, uh, Mr. Steinbach. Yes, sir. You were, you were with me on Monday's. Are you going to try to get over a little more often and yeah, walk well, through the quarters of the uh, Capitol, the, well, mar- the marble quarters? I, I, I fully expect, <laughs> in all seriousness, to be please, testified. Right? Please, 
please wear wooden heels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clippity clop, yeah. right? Exactly. But I fully expect to be testifying before various uh, committees. And to be clear, folks, it's not that anybody invites me. These are public hearings. You put your name on the list. Now talk about that a little yeah. bit. You have just as much right to speak. That's right. As the lobbyists that's exactly. throwing money around exactly. out there. So the fact that I go down doesn't make me special. You know what it makes me? An Arkansas citizen. But Absolutely. I intend to go down, and when I've already heard misstatements uh, about uh, FOIA. Example, the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act. And you know, you know, because we've heard it already, the Municipal League is gearing up. They're out to bring it down. They, they, you know, they are there to weaken the Freedom of Information yeah, Act. they are. The they don't, and they League, make no bones about none. it. None. Right. What is the Municipal League? It is a private organization designed to represent uh, workers from local government. And so what do they want? They, they constantly are complaining that they have to respond to Freedom of Information Act requests from people like you, the average citizen who has a question about how government works. I made a, a uh, FOIA request a little while back of a public entity and uh, the person the person said well we can only give you this material way down the line you know some date I don't remember what it was and so I kind of intentionally sheepishly wrote well doesn't the Freedom of Information Act allow me to get that much much sooner <laughs> and then they it's said, in the law right it's in the law right you have three days to respond um, at most, by the way, and it's typically misinterpreted because it's three days if it's in active use or in storage, and many times it's not, but it's a practical matter. Most people don't bother fighting that, right? And so they said, you know, I, um, months, you'll get it in a couple of months. And I said, I, I thought it's like a few days. Um, am I wrong? And I didn't say that I'm the <laughs> co-author of the book on the Freedom of Information Act. And later that day, I had it emailed to me. There it's you always go. that. I said, and I said, can you check with your Freedom of Information Act officer? Later that day, it was emailed to me, right? Because these uh, um, uh, bureaucrats too often don't want to comply with the Freedom of Information Act. I realize it's work, right? But I that's what we it. pay them to that's do. That's what we pay them for. And they go, well, I, I'm not able to do my job. That is your job. You know how you know it? Because it's defined in the law. The law literally says, this is your job. Go do it. Well, but my job is also to, I don't know, hand out, you know, these forms. Okay. That's also your job. They're both your job. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you decided that one part of your job you like more than another part of your job. But if you're a government employee in the state of Arkansas, then you're subject to the Freedom of Information Act. There are kind of very narrow exceptions, but uh, putting that aside for a moment. All right. right. Just before we go to the break. Yes, sir. A controversial policy has risen its head at the University of Southern California. Oh, here we go. It requires students to ask permission oh my gosh. in advance if they want to speak in certain designated areas of the oh campus. According to a report from the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, that's FIRE, FIRE. if you didn't know who they were, the University of Southern California recently implemented a policy that requires students to ask permission before holding any sort of demonstration on campus. The legal analysis for fire suggests that the policy is unconstitutional, 
under the First Amendment. Uh, USC is a private institution, which means they have more leeway when it comes to campus they speech do. restrictions. That's true. That's true. Under First Amendment standard, standards, universities may put in place reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions on where and when demonstrations can take place on campus in order to limit disruptions to regular college activities and functions. However, forcing students to apply for a permit two weeks in advance in order to conduct any sort of demonstration, whether involving a group or three people or one of 300, is nowhere near reasonable. So it, 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 it continues constantly. I go to fire once a month, and it's amazing how oh, many stories. Fantastic. They're fantastic. Uh, but how many stories they have of attacks across on the First the Amendment. That's what I keep telling you. This is across the country. And, and this is USC in the liberal California, right, where they say, well, we can't have borders, but we can we can border your mouth. We can tape your mouth shut. That's the, that's a tragedy here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm always been just stunned that uh, Berkeley – is yeah. being attacked all the time. Exactly. Just amazes me. All right, let's take a break. News is next, and then Brenda and Joe will join us from Conduit News. We've got a lot to talk about. All right, final hour, Dave Ellswick Show, Conduit News joins us today. Brenda and Joe are with us. Guys, I want to start right off today to talk about the story that broke on Friday. So this is the first time I've had to talk about this. Former Senator Gilbert Baker has been indicted on bribery charges, mail fraud, some other things. And uh, there's been a lot of things he's alleged to have done. First question I've got for you all, do you think Mazio's talking? Do you think that that's how this came to where it's at now? Well, I liked uh, the article. Uh, hey, Dave, this is Brenda. Yeah. The article mentioned that um, he's no longer in the custody of the federal uh, prison system, but he's seen somewhere in in Arkansas. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Really? Yeah. yeah I hadn't heard that. I think it was, it, if it was not uh, this Saturday's article from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, it might have been Arkansas Times article from the day before, or, or it could have been... Um, um, their first article. I'm not sure. Well, I got to start to read that. I got to remember what Ray Lincoln told me about reading the Saturday paper. That's where they try to hide all the good news. Oh, really? Well, he's very accurate. Yeah, he was. Uh, I wanted to file some kind of action against all the media for having a, a lame Sunday and Monday paper with, according to our governor, the most historic session of his lifetime is upcoming, and there's nothing in it but a little tiny article for Mike Wickline on both. I mean, Mike did his best, but, you know, there should be full pages. Yeah, there was a small, just a small article today. I mean, there was a one column running down the front page uh, right there at the, the fold, and then you went in, I think it looked like maybe three columns across uh, that was in there, and it was talking a little bit about the the Speaker of the House and uh, the Majority Leader Hendren over in the Senate, and... Uh, then they were asking about, uh, they were talking about Jerry Cox and some of the right-to-life bills, and Ballinger made this, this statement in the, the article about how he was watching the Supreme Court because he wants to see abortion go away. So, anyway, wasn't a whole lot there, to be honest with you. You know, that's what I'm saying. There wasn't a whole lot there. 
So uh, what do you what do you think? Do you, do you think it's Maggio? Do you think that's what it is? And if they went and they got Gilbert Baker, do you think the other shoe may fall on uh, Morton as well? Now I'm I'm I'm. This is allegedly all right. I'm not saying he did anything. He said anything wrong. I'm just alleging that there's a lot of things out there that don't smell right. Well, there are a lot of people that continue to say, how do you have a bribee without a bribeor? Mm-hmm. And I assume that maybe now the allegation is it's, it was Gilbert Baker. Certainly he had um, a whole alphabet, uh, alphabet full of co-conspirators or accomplices in some level, individuals A through F, not that all of them are uh, equal, but they're certainly mentioned in the indictment with two companies, A and B. Um, and, and I think that when we look at um, how they work together to fund these campaigns, um, you know, it does give pause for um, one to understand what the end results are when those, camp- when those campaigns are funded like that. And, of course, with uh, Maggio, he admits that he reduced a judgment from $5.2 million to $1 million. Yeah. And I think that is the definition of... Uh, 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 Pay to play, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's about it. About the way that it comes out. Uh, quote uh, from the article, Morton is most likely the person described in the indictment as individual A, as a stockholder in numerous nursing homes located in Arkansas. Political contributions originating from Morton were given to Baker, who then worked with in, individuals B, C, D, and F to distribute them to candidates for public office, the purpose of political contributions from individual A DiMaggio in exchange for agreeing to act in his official capacity to benefit individual A and company A in the civil lawsuit. I'm going to tell you what that if to put that in to paraphrase that in Dave Ellswick language, somebody paid a bribe here they get a get the, the the result that they want it that's what it it sure looks like to me well you know what does it how do we apply that to the upcoming session and i certainly haven't listened to all the speeches made today uh but you know we've been talking about the senate being unable to police itself the house being unable to police itself uh, you know what would it take and conduit has several articles on what we recommend of course Implementing some of the bills or two of the bills last year that Linda Collins Smith, um, Brian King filed, and those bills were soundly defeated. That would have uh, helped to expose when when legislators are receiving money from these uh, special interest groups. But I'm very interested in seeing what kind of tort reform will come out of this uh, legislative session. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with that as well. Just one last part of this article, Brenda, that I thought was really good, and uh, and that was it talks about how Morton has been a longtime political donor in Arkansas. Now, understand, being a political donor does not make you a criminal. I mean, that just makes you an Arkansan. Uh, giving personally through his companies and affiliated PACs, he is affiliated with the Arkansas Health Care Association, representing nursing home interests in the state. And according to uh, Ural's uh, Follow the Money report, Morton and uh, related persons donated over $57,000 
in the 2018 Republican primaries among uh, a group of, of of people, and you got all the names, and people can. I'd rather they go to your site and go to uh, go to conduitnews.com and read this article, see who they gave money to. But the the bottom line is, you know, that's not a small uh, amount of money. Fifty seven thousand dollars. I mean, shoot, they give me fifty seven thousand dollars, and I can go to CPAC for the next ten years, not have to worry about it. The article also uh, mentions other players like, uh, and you mentioned individual A, B, C through F, but uh, individual C is Bruce Hawkins, and in our report, his uh, consulting firm gave 21400 to uh, support various candidates, just like our, so you, you mirror that with the Arkansas Healthcare Association because those are his clients. You know, you're basically looking at $80,000. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, we're getting into real money here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that everybody always hears say on the air, money is the mother's milk of politics, and it is. There's no doubt. I don't know who said that initially. I just remember hearing it, and it made all the sense in the world to me. Still does, and so I repeat it from time to time. Uh, you got to have the money to get elected, and when you get elected, you need more money to get reelected. And uh, you align with the people. Uh, just because you take a, a you know some money from somebody uh, doesn't necessarily mean you change your mind about how you feel about something. What you ch- you know traditionally try to do is take money that with the people that you agree with uh, in principles. But some people they don't. You know, I I've been kind of waiting. Just to be honest with everybody, I've been kind of waiting that Gilbert Baker had some serious serious issues he had to he had to answer i think if people would uh that your listeners would seek out and read the follow the money report i think a picture comes clear when uh, regardless of how you feel or what you think about medicaid expansion let's take regardless of how you feel about whether it should be done or should not be done when you start divvying up two billion dollars a year and you can spend $57,000 and get 10 times that back uh, through the government by lobbying or contributing, you know, there's something wrong there. No, I don't, that's, dis- that's- I don't disagree with you. I mean, that's, you know, Joe, you and I know that's been going on forever. Well, we've talked about how to, how to make things more transparent how to hold the elected officials accountable. Conduit has um, um, an opportunity for listeners this session uh, to join, get latest updates. This will help hold these legislators accountable. It will help them understand why their scores are a certain score at the end of the legislative session. I'll just text you that number, Dave, if you would, wouldn't mind. Sure. Uh, 501 292 2683. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all about this, Brenda. I'm all about uh, people getting the information as fast and as furious as possible because a lot of times people don't don't understand exactly what's happening until it's happened to them. Yeah, Brenda, you recall uh, last session we had a number of awful Freedom of Information Act uh, gutting bills come across 
And initially, people were not aware because there's so many things happening at once. Uh, and then when we got on top of it, and if I recall correctly, but you know, please tell me, I think Conduit came out very strongly against uh, some of these awful bills. Uh, then we were able to beat them back. So we've got to stay on top of it, and I really appreciate the efforts more generally that Conduit does in that regard. But am I right about the FOIA stuff that you guys were were, were fighting hard with us last time? Absolutely. Yeah. We came out initially with an article recommending that um, – who's now Senator uh, Bob Ballinger not be the leader trying to uh, amend and, and get mm-hmm. a bill passed by Bart Hester. Uh, he worked uh, – Bob worked with the University of Arkansas to change the language – and uh, we came out with an article saying, hey, guys, since you represent uh, Ecclesia College, you're not really a good uh, mm-hmm. uh, legislator for this bill. And besides, we think it's a really bad bill. Um, and so from that bill. point, Terrible. the gloves were off, and uh, Bob Ballinger became very angry, claiming that we didn't even know anything about FOIA. We had no business stepping in on that argument. And, you know, I think the more people learn about these bills and, and the information um that we can all together give the public the better off Arkansas will be. Well, Conduit, I can attest, knows what they're talking about when it comes to the FOIA, and that was my recollection from the last session. And these bills were awful, and Brenda, you are likely aware, uh, you may have heard earlier on the show, in fact, that the Municipal League is going to be pushing one of those same bad bills again, uh, Because, and I call it the uh, Municipal Workers Relaxation Day Bill, because they're looking to just weaken all of the standards in the in the FOIA, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, to your help in pushing back these awful bills yet again. Well, what we found is the you know the true enemy of the people is is really government itself. Uh, you know, not that government is necess- necessarily that evil of a thing to have at all, but the way the government has evolved, they have more lobbyists than all the rest of them combined. And they do not want to disclose any more than they have to, less and less every day, and they don't want any competition. Well, that's exactly, Joe, you're 100% right about the fact that government only works well when A, it's limited, and B, the public has their eyes on virtually every step that's going on, because government is a body like a, like a germ that wants to grow. A little bit of right uh, of yogurt with that little biological material in it is good for your stomach, but too many germs and you're going to get sick. Government has to be kept limited, and you've got to observe it. And when government actors don't want observation, you better realize why. All right, got to take a break. We'll come back. Pick this up when we come back. I still got some more things I want to talk to. The legislature, of course, is getting underway. Thursday, we'll be at the Capitol broadcasting uh, one day of the many that will be there. Also, the repeal of political contribution tax credit favors big special interests and the governor to reform his tax reform package after it was found out that 200,000 filers would see a tax increase with the uh, current plan. So we'll talk about all of that as we continue today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, Conduit News is with us. Joe is here as well as Brenda. Of course, uh, Robert Steinbach is with us as well. Remember to text JOIN to 501-292-2683. Listen to the show. Get the text from the folks at Conduit News. 
stay on top of what's happening in the session uh, by, uh, you know, aligning yourself with both of those organizations. You'll get the latest on the 2019 Arkansas Legislative Session. Hey, if you've got warts, the folks from Applied Research of uh, Arkansas want you to know that they're ready to take action. They have new clinical studies that could wipe those warts away. And I can tell you what, my wife used to have one on one of her fingers, and it, you know, for her, that was the worst thing that could ever happen. And I know that for a lot of ladies and even men, warts drive us crazy. Uh, if you become a participant, you receive free study-related care. You're going to get medication. You also get compensation for time and travel. All you have to do is go online or call them. Go online, go to arcarkansas.com or call 501-954-7822. Get rid of those warts. Get with Applied Research of Arkansas. All right, everybody, we got about three minutes left here to the news, so um, let's let's start with this one, uh, Robert and Joe and uh, and Brenda. The legislature is ready to get underway. The the legislators were sworn in today. I, I believe the governor took his swearing in. It, he 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 speaks tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for his. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the governor again, and here's what I'm, I'm wanting to see. Uh, the state of the state should be coming up here in the near future. But you guys talk about the arm-in-arm arm with special interests. And as I said earlier, you know, money is the mother's milk of politics. But how do we pay attention? How should we know who's trying to butter whose toast to get, you know, some extra jam, so to speak? not really a way for the average person to, to spend enough time to really draw lines between special interest and results. There's really not. I mean, it took us years to understand how that worked and to be able to dig to find where you find out these things that, that are still uh, obtainable. So it, it's almost impossible for the general public to know other than through you a trusted source of unbiased information. Yeah, conduitnews.com. People can go there and, and get it. Is there a place, Brenda, where people can write if they've got a question about something and they can get answers about, you know, who's doing what? Well, there, we I think we have a comment session, section or an email, any of the... Well, Facebook, we got a Facebook presence in both Conduit News and Conduit for Action that, you know, you can interact, but you know how those things get. But but we can't really chase a lot of rabbits. Everybody wants to know about their local quorum court or their sheriff did this or that. And, you know, you can't know everything about every district in every office. You know, we try to focus on the state as a whole and how the elected government is representing what they're doing versus what they really are doing in effect. And let the people decide. If you like to be told that the sky is brown and you want to believe that then that's up to you but <laughs> but let's don't you know have any uh, illusions 
uh, about trusting the politicians to tell you what the real deal is. But we're always available to answer questions, you know, specifically about legislators. If we know, you know, contact us on our website. All right. Hold hold on, you guys. We got news. Let's get to that. All right. Back with you on the Dave Ellswick show. Let me uh, remind you again about what's going on uh, with the folks here at uh, Conduit News. Uh, Text join to 501-292-2683. Now, the reason I'm going to push this a lot is because the more information you can get and the quickest that you can get it mm-hmm. is very, very, very uh, important and powerful to you. So you want to make sure you're in on this. Uh, to get the latest on the 2019 Arc Leg session, on Thursday, I think it's at 3 o'clock, uh, I'm going to have a special guest with me uh, that uh, is going to be fun. It's the guy who came up with the um, the new uh, lobby up for your uh, Android now. You can get Android, get lobby up, and he's going to join us and talk about that on uh, on Thursday as well. Can't I mean, if we're going to start the session off right, should be a place that you should be able to go and watch every bill as it makes its way through the meat grinder. So he'll be with us uh, on that as well. Don't forget, though, to join up with Conduit News and get their updates. And then don't forget to listen to the show to get our updates and hear the the, the newsmakers on the show. I mean, if you do that, you're going to be light years ahead of the average Arkansan. You, you really, really, really will. All right, I had to take a break, and uh, you were in the middle of saying something, Brenda, so let me turn it back over to you. Oh, I was just saying that uh, you'd ask if someone had a question, how would they, yes. uh, can they ask Conduit a question? I said, go to any of the websites and, and uh, contact us, you know, t- uh, email your question, whatever. We're happy to discuss and uh, try to answer questions for our Kansans. Yeah, keep in mind, send it to Brenda, don't send it to Joe. He kind of, he's... <laughs> He's he's kind of like the grouch of the group. What can I tell you? Yeah, I'll just, just tell you the facts. Uh, your feelings are your business. There you go. There you go. Got to love that. Okay, so you said that, Joe, you've spent, in your words, years trying to figure out how to follow the special interest money. So the best thing people can do is come to Conduit News, and if there's something that needs to be reported on, you guys are going to have – have the scoop on that, right? Well, we have uh, you know local you know, specific topics uh, of interest about the current events on conduit for action. You know, that's where people can go to find out what is going on and what they can do about it. Reporting, as far as uh, just summarizing what the facts are, is conduit for commerce. You know, it it, it looks at everything through a lens of what is best for freedom and small business in Arkansas. And here are facts that we think that you'll find useful. Condo for Action has maybe a little more opinion and slant to it. Okay. So go to conduitforcommerce.com then. Yeah, that's, that's, for, that, that's for general information. Policy. You know, policy and, and how people do relative to policy, in our opinion. And then Conduit for Action, if you want to actually do something about it. All right. It's Conduit for Commerce. It'll have the scorecard. It's... Uh, conduit for commerce that has to follow the money report and in that you can see establishment money you'll see the the players which several of those are mentioned 
in the Gilbert Baker article we were discussing and in the actual his indictment. Not that they're being indicted, but they're how they work together and play together is certainly reported there. But you'll find in that follow the money report, you know, a summary of the players. Like if you're uh, working with uh, Bruce Hawkins. Uh, consulting firm. You'll see how they contribute to candidates. You'll see which candidate conduit would support, not conduit for commerce, but our other organization that can support candidates. And you you can see the difference, and it becomes very, very clear. And then when you get to see how they vote, and the more the public can learn like that, uh, compare the votes to what the people say they'll do as they're running for office, um, you know, that's what we want to connect for people. Yeah, it all seems to paint a fairly clear, although grim, picture if, if you put all this together, you know, you follow the money, you watch the votes, you watch the rhetoric when they come back to their districts, and you see the disconnect, well, it all makes perfect sense once you see how the money works. Yeah, I, and I like that. And if and I let me take a moment to to try to impress upon people that the only way you can change what's going on is to understand what's going on and uh, what people use and how they go about, you know, making things happen. Because unless you understand that, you're going to be standing there and things are going to be whirling around you and it's going to be nearly impossible for you to get a grip on it. And you've got to have a grip on it before you can say anything. It's, it's just that way. Well, another thing that has to be considered is we've got to agree on the meaning of plain words you know that's another trick that they play uh, i don't know how many times you know, we've been accused of lying by various politicians or or detractors of some kind well but none of those times have ever been accompanied by an example <laughs> so we chalked that up to projection you know if, if you lie to me then I, you know, you call me a liar, and then nobody knows whether it's you or me that's lying. I got you. We so see think that, everybody's lying. Yeah, we see that with the Russia, you know, the national level. I think uh, that anyone who got to see Mark Levin last night has to appreciate the the projection that some might argue the Democrat Party is is doing right now, claiming that Trump is colluding with the Russians when obviously um, that's been the history of the progressives since they were founded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They've been colluding with the Russians since Wilson. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about, you know, Joe's talking about carefully crafted language. I also want the listeners to be aware that uh, sometimes conduit might be perceived as the fun police. You know, we're always talking about all the parties and the whining and dining that the lobbyists are doing with legislators. I just want to point out in the real world, um, corporate America or even government contracts, federal government contracts, um, you not only can lose your job, but in the government you can go to prison for, you know, feeding your uh, your friendly customer or yeah, uh, government employee. Yeah, you can't take a bunch of people out to dinner to educate them <laughs> if you're a Walmart, you know, buyer. Right. And, you know, that's common sense. You know, you think it's not an influence situation, well, with two private people that are only doing their own business, you'd think that they could do that, but they even police that because they know it's corrosive. You know, a Walmart, there's there's companies I've dealt with that you can't buy the person a cup of coffee. They cannot accept it or they'll be up on charges. 
You know, John John Woods uh, blessed us with issue, <clears throat> excuse me, issue three in 2014, and uh, part of that was, you know, ethics reform and no more gifting to legislators. And I, many of our articles point out the fact that uh, there was an exception built in, and that would be, now if you give a party for everybody, you know, all the legislators, then that's okay. <laughs> well, only the big guys can do that. Only the large uh, lobbying firms can afford to do that, so that's done away with the small um, PACs or business people being able to have a hamburger with a legislator, have his ear. But uh, as one legislator told me last year, I think I've said this on the air, a lobbyist told him as he was promised a vote from one of his constituents and or one of his fellow legislators, and the lobbyist turned to the young legislator and said, these guys will peel off their vote for a bag of chips. So you know, don't underestimate the effect of food on humans. It's pretty amazing. Well, you're going to hear about this. Uh, we have heard about for some time, and it, it's growing in the leadership of the establishment uh, swamp dwellers. Is that uh, you know the ethics are for these people out here in giving money? No, the ethics are for government. Transparency is for government. You know they want to cut just like anybody would cut the other people's money off, but keep your own coming in. And that's what we've seen in the legislature of them trying, the leadership trying to keep money uh, pipelines coming to them, but being able to cut it off to anybody that opposes them. Now, did you? So that's what you'll see in ethics is it's those special interests that we've got to control. Are you guys private people? Are you guys? Uh, and, and and they're deflecting where the real problem is is that they take the money and do things with it. You know, money doesn't know where it comes from. There's there's two groups, basically, those who want larger, more government so that they can put their their spigot in the pipeline and those who want smaller government. That's how we see it. I mean, I realize that social issues have been a big part of Arkansas politics for the last 20 years, 30 years. But uh, what now has to rise to the surface in order to keep our freedoms is the importance of economic freedom. And that only happens when people are in charge and have control of their own money and government has less. Yeah, so silence conduit will be the theme of the session in ethics. All right, so I I had Mark Johnson, I can now call him Senator, not Senator-elect, but Senator Mark Johnson on, and I was really excited to hear that he had a piece of legislation that he's already filed, and there's several more pieces coming, that if you're found guilty of a felony uh, while, you know, that, has something to do with you serving as a senator or a, or a state representative or any a, government employee yeah mayor things of that nature that they're going to take away all of your um, uh, retirement benefits i think that's the direction they have to go and i think that's a great first step would you guys agree with that i would and i would like to offer an amendment to tar and feather them on, on the Capitol steps. <laughs> I, I said uh, that it, we should it have lines. Me of, you know, when, when you, for example, murder your spouse, you cannot collect on the insurance policy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said that... Uh, <laughs> what, murderer. Jo, jo, Joe, you like this. I said that they should also do the perk walk down the front steps of the Capitol with, uh, with uh, Arkansans throwing uh, cabbage... You know, bad uh, lettuce and tomatoes at them. Absolutely. If not watermelons. (laughs) Okay. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up uh, for today. I want to come back and 
and talk to you about the article I saw, I believe it was over the weekend, maybe it was even today, that the governor was uh, told that 200,000 people under his new uh, tax uh, deduction strategy was going to be paying more taxes, and he immediately told them, go back and rewrite it so that nobody paid more taxes on his uh, tax uh, you know, bill that was going to save people money on their taxes. We'll come back. And we'll spend our last few minutes talking about that on the minutes. All right, back. We got about seven minutes left. Uh, let me just read from this article a little bit here, so uh, our listeners should be aware. The Arkansas Task Task Tax Force submitted a tax reform plan. However, now that the plan will need reform of its own in its current form, the tax plan would have increased net state income taxes for nearly 200,000 Arkansan taxpayers by more than $30 million a year. Governor Asa Hutchinson now wants a fix to the plan so that it does not increase taxes uh, for anyone. And uh, that's good news, and um, I'm glad that they're going to do that. He wants to cut taxes. I agree with uh, your all's analysis that he raises taxes in a whole lot of area uh, that negate the tax cuts, so to speak. They're taking money out of one pocket and and uh, sticking it in other another pocket, or they're taking it out of a group of pockets. Kind of like if you guys used to get Donald uh, uh, was it Donald Goose um, anyway. Mr. Green Jeans would be pulling all this money out of all different pockets and putting it in one pocket. Well, you know, you're not lowering anybody's taxes for anything. Everybody's paying higher tax, taxes all over the place, you know, on, on things of that nature. So I guess my question here is that that the governor said go back and fix it before it's made into law, uh, I think is a positive for him. Would you agree? Well, if you're interested in carefully crafted language, it sounds great on the surface. But the bottom line is... Do the people of Arkansas end up paying more to the government or less to the government? And I think clearly you'll see we're getting more every year. And I actually asked the governor at one point, uh, well, was the budget for 2018 going to be greater than the budget for 2017? And he said, yes, but so is Texas and Oklahoma. And like government just has to grow. And I'm thinking, well, what's the purpose of government? And do they ever accomplish any of it? And does any of it ever go away? Well, if it doesn't, then that means they're no good at fixing anything. Why well, keep giving them more to do? Yeah, why keep giving them more to do? Because they never fix a problem and then stop collecting money to fix it. it it's uh, I mean, people just don't follow that. And they don't they don't pay attention long enough to see what they're doing to us. But the carefully crafted language gets them by. Well, you'll listen carefully. The governor will say income tax cut. He won't say tax cut. Oh, I agree. That's but that's what I'm talking about right now is income tax cut. That's what the the article had initially said that with the income tax cut that they were giving, they were finding that nearly two hundred thousand Arkansans would end up paying more taxes. So the governor said said fix that. So you know, I I got to give him credit that they're trying to fix that part of it before they uh, 
they put it into law. Now, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know. Why would you give him credit when he doubts he could get what he's wanting if he doesn't fix it? I mean, it's not like we can't read. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? No. I, I mean, why would he want to propose a bill to cut taxes and then 200,000 Arkansans are going to pay more tax? I mean, that sounds a lot like uh, what he's doing on the other side of his pocket. But this would be, you know, in the same bill. Well, I'm, or, or are you saying that the tax force is incompetent? Well. <laughs> no, he wrote this piece of it. This wasn't from the tax he didn't write it. You know who wrote it. Yeah, but all but, the money. But the bottom the bottom line is what I'm saying is that I understand that he doesn't want anybody to pay more under his tax plan as far as income taxes. I'm not saying that they're not going to make that up somehow in other taxes. But as far as going in and saying, "Look, I'm giving you this tax cut," he doesn't want somebody to come back and say, "Well, look, people are." Uh, your tax cut is really not forty-seven million because two hundred twenty or two hundred thousand people are going to get whacked because of this. I think that. Well, that, I mean, you know, I don't know. Happened. I'm still not willing to give credit to people who wrote D F and A. They know these numbers. They do the numbers. They calculated it. They knew how much it would bring in and cost, and then they got caught by an outside group, and they said, hey, this isn't going to work this way, and he's busted, and say, they basically said they'd fix it. Now, that's how I see it. Okay, well. Yeah, busted. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't say that that's the case. I'm just going to say when it was shown to him that it was going to cost 200,000 people more money, He's going in to fix it, so I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt as far as that. I don't on the other stuff because you're exactly right. They're going to tax people more uh, than what the tax break that he's going to give them. It's going to draw more money from people's pockets than what they're being given. Well, and, and I, I do agree. I'm glad he's, glad they're going to fix it. If that's what I'd call it, let's, let's give him credit, but what the credit is for is for a, a successful distraction from what's fixing to happen in the legislature to raise those taxes, especially the Internet tax. I mean, they, they already they already count their chickens on that one. Well, let's wager how many days before that's passed. What do you think, Dave? I think, it, you know, the, look, I remember the last session, how hard they tried to get it through, so... It's not going to surprise me if it's not done in the first week. So just for all your listeners to remember when they're talking about this is it is not a tax on companies outside Arkansas. It's a tax on the people of Arkansas. And I would agree with that. And I would agree with that. And I'll be mentioning that on the air for sure. I'll be questioning a lot of elected officials about that. Because there's some that don't want it. Go ahead, Bob. You know, I've got uh, one of my sisters lives up in the Northeast. And when I told her what we pay in income tax, and then I highlighted that, of course, we've got sales tax like everybody does, but not a low one, particularly here in Little Rock because the city adds to it, right? And then we've got a car tax. And I told her what I'm paying in real estate taxes. She was amazed. She said, well, that's, that's Northeast pricing, right? And remember, Northeast pricing, that's where they tax the heck out of you. So we are not, my sense, my anecdotal sense is we are not in a low tax environment. So we need to be aggressive about lowering the tax burden on our Kansans. When I got people up in the Northeast saying, well, that's roughly what I'm paying. I don't want to be paying New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut taxation rates. This is the South. You're not, Massachusetts. Is paying less. 
Well, there you go. How can Massachusetts be paying less than Arkansas when it's one of the biggest liberal, big government, uh, you know, provide the medical care by the government state? Explain to me that, Brenda. Well, I mean, that's what we're trying to say. Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, California, they're the only ones who have higher taxes than Arkansas. I mean, you know. Uh, Arkansas can can brag that we're right up there with the big boys in that in that respect. So we pay- and then we have a task force who was tasked with reforming and and uh, reducing our tax burden, and they come back with a plan for small business in Arkansas to adopt Connecticut's plan. How and I'm sorry, be? but I'm not for that, and you'll hear a lot more if you talk to me. How can it be that Massachusetts, <laughs> right? Remember Massachusetts. That's Dukakis. That's, uh, what's the guy with the big hair who ran for president? Um, Kerry, right? That's, the, that's the, 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 you know, the big hair and the face that doesn't move. You know, yes, like the he horse turns. face. Well, but it's not only that it's a horse face. That guy has enough Botox in his face that if a mosquito uh, uh, stings him, it dies. Um, but but, you know, th- that that state is a high-tax state. They they provide – they've got their own uh, Obamacare up in Massachusetts. They tax you left and right. They've got government coming out of your nose. And they pay less taxes than we, than we do, Brenda? I, I, I got to tell you, I did not know that, and I'm shocked. All right. We are well, out we, of – We have been Joe, I gotta, this for I got to jump in. We're out of time, Joe. Are you guys coming up here on Thursday for the first day? We're sending our best people. <laughs> All right. When they tell them to stop in and see me on the third floor, we'll try to get them on the air and talk with them as well. I got to get out of here. We've got news coming up. Thanks to Brenda and Joe for joining us. Conduitnews.com, conduitcommerce.com. And don't forget about joining up with them and getting the, the text uh, material. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.